Hey, welcome to the show, blah, blah, blah. Hey, everybody, yada, yada, yada. Hey, it's Paul. Testing, one, two, three. Greg. Hello? Come on, Greg. Hello? Is it me? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I totally lost it. All right, I forgot. Joe, I, Joe. I have pretty bad ED. <laughs> oh, I got to listen back to this, Greg. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to remember it. Like, I, I, unless I oh, my God. I, <laughs> I got to listen back to this, Greg, and I don't want to listen to you rambling. <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe. No, no, we're starting over. I'm not listening. (laughs) That is asinine for me to listen to that. (laughs) Joe tried to salvage it. (laughs) What do you mean you have to listen over? I don't get it. (laughs) Hi, we're doing a test record. I guess we just test record and I don't listen to the test recording, Greg. Oh, Oh, shit. (laughs) I thought thought you were looking at like wavelengths or something to say. I did not know that. And I am sorry. Who am I? Dr. Eric Selvig? No. <laughs> who, who am I after here? Is it Tristan? Tristan. Okay, thank you. I'm ready now. <laughs> just remember the. Just remember. Remember your audio buddy. All right. Hold. Look. Yeah. look remember your your audio buddy is the person in front of you. Just remember. It's I'm Tristan. Your audio buddy. You and yeah. me, Tristan. Yeah. You, you two are audio buddies. I got you. All right. Oh, hold boy. Let, let me hit stop on this recording and this. <laughs> This might be the beginning of... Ne- Greg left. He, <laughs> Greg left. He, oh he just fucking left. <laughs> Greg is fucking peak boomer this episode. <laughs> I just was uh, trying to... I was trying to close windows so that I didn't have too many open. I was, tr- I was trying to raise oh, my hand again. Boomer. <laughs> oh, man. All right, I'm going to hit stop and we're going to do this again. And I, I promise you that this is probably going to be the intro for next episode. <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> no, you gave me the intro for the next episode. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> All right. You guys ready? Yeah. Ready. Go. Three, two, and one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, blah, blah, blah. Hey, everybody. Yada, yada, yada. Hey, I'm Paul. Greg, it's your turn next. Hi, this is Greg. It's my turn. Hi, this is Joe. Jesus hello? Christ, Stephanie. Yes, hello. Uh, <laughs> I, I was counting people. I thought it was number seven. Stephanie fucked it up. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> let's go. Let's go back and let's go back and count them. It was me, Jake. Jake's number two. Paul's three. Tristan's four. Greg's five. Joe six, lucky number seven. <laughs> Episode four hundred thirty-one. There's already like seven million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy, like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good at toss it, good at taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushover Pop culture Leftovers And the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers And the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Hey Puddin', you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. But if I'm being honest, this show creeps me the fuck out. I toss it.
Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. And man, I came out with a very loud hey, didn't I, Jake? Yeah, it was very loud. It was fucking loud. I, after it came out of my mouth, I was like, I can't bring, I can't pull it back. Like, I can't, you know what I mean? It's like, it's already out there. I mean, I, I, I apologize. Joe Stark inspired. Yeah. Oh, God. Hey, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I wonder how many eardrums he's killed doing that. You know what I mean? Definitely more than one. Definitely more than one. We've lost many a listener, Jake. <laughs> With the Joe Stark A. <laughs> anyway. Fuck. Even if you can't hear anymore, we appreciate the downloads. You know what I would like, Jake? If one of our listeners put together a compilation of every time. And I want him to play back to back to back. Just... Every time you've said, hey, can we take a break? I, I think it would be the most hilarious fucking thing to ever hear. Just a, a compilation of every time you've said, hey, can we take a break? Hearing them back to back and all the different inflections that you use and, and the deliveries that you give on it, Jake. I, I would like a listener to go back and listen and try to pull every one of them and put them together in a compilation that I could play on an episode. It would be, it would be fantastic. Yeah, I would co-sign that. I would love to hear that. <laughs> Last week, I got really mad about my break because it's like no one else backs me up on the break, but yet everyone else goes and pees. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> when I call for these breaks, only I get a pee from now Well, on. I mean, it's the time. It's like We all aren't like in the same kind of like our piss meter, as we've referred to it before, is not like where you are. But since we're on break, we might as well, right? Yeah, yeah. You're just like, I don't know, just like you've got like the kidneys that are like the size of a fucking grape nut cereal. And it's just, I'm not complaining about you, Brian, but I people have literally said, oh, I really got to go to. Oh, that's like true. That's true. But they let you take the. Well, that's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. The guests are probably too scared to ask, don't you think? Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. I'm the fucking hero sometimes. Yeah. They just let me fucking stab myself on the sword. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Oh, man. That's the only way I like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not alone, Jake, this episode. Oh, we, thank God. Yeah. We are, we are joined by the, the ghosts of all of our dead listeners that Joe Stark killed with his banshee screams. <laughs> oh, that'd be crazy. <laughs> that would be amazing. We got the Ouija board out and get to listen to the <laughs> We're like Aragorn. We're going to take all those dead listeners and fucking go storm the place. Oh, yeah. Jake's like, hey, before we do that, can we take a break? <laughs> I got to go pee. <laughs> Aragorn's like, fuck. <laughs> and then Aragorn's like, okay, I got to pee too. Yeah, yeah. Still makes you look like the bitch though, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fucking Aragorn. And then you're like, and then we all look at each other like, ghost pee? Huh? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> this is the worst episode we've ever recorded, Jake. Oh, no, that is 0% true. 0%. I, I, chances are, the percentage is much higher, in my opinion. This is bad. This I is, didn't say it was good, but worst thing we've ever done? No. Worst thing I've done this year. Mm, all right, I can't argue that. Mm. All right. Anyway, we've got guests. 
Joe Stark from Starkcast. Welcome, Joe. Hello. It is wonderful to be here. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen to that earbud friendly intro from Joe Stark. <laughs> Our listeners' ears. Thank you, Joe. Happy to be here for it. Yeah, man. Uh, and then also we have uh, Mr. Billy Blanks from the Reality Guys on YouTube. Guys, uh, this is fun. This is our group chat come to life, even though the group chat has not been a very safe place for me the last few days. Okay. All right. Here's the thing. All right. Inside jokes do not work. on a, People don't understand what you're talking. If you're going to talk about an inside joke, you got to explain it to the people, Billy. You just can't bring up an inside joke because nobody knows what the fuck you're talking about right now. Not a single person except for the four of us. So uh, we've had I don't nice know. I don't want to. Usually I don't want to hear this. It's the, you, you, you want to hear it. You want me to explain it to the people. Now you don't want to hear it. Exactly. I, I, yeah. You didn't need to bring it up in the first place. And number two, I, it's probably not going to be that interesting of a story. It's actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Jake, do you think this is podcast worthy talk right here? No, I don't like it. And how dare Billy do his cry for help on the podcast? I know. Billy, that's getting edited I just out. want people to know in case something happens to me. There's had to be some kind of. Kind of trail. So what a pusshole move, here, guys! What a pusshole move! Oh my god! Whoa, Brian, woe is me! Woe is me! Brian, Brian picks on me in the chat and on Facebook Messenger. Woe is me! <laughs> uh, here's here's my fucking little soapbox where I can stand and I can let all the other people know about it. And the, but nobody knows about it because nobody else is in that fucking chat but the four of us. I'm just glad that somehow me and the record button have helped you gain a lot of energy since we've started. Oh, my. No, it's just infuriating energy. It's inf- more inside jokes. It, more inside jokes. <laughs> Billy, nobody knows what you're talking about. Nobody. We're building intrigue here. No, we're, no, we're losing listeners is what we're doing here, Billy. I'm just trying to help finish off what you started. Do you like walking into a conversation where people are talking about an inside joke and you have no idea what it's about? And then all of a sudden, like you want them to explain it, but they've already, you know, like they've already been through it and they don't feel like it. That's what you're doing. You're alienating people, Billy. This is all inclusive. This is all inclusive. And you're alienating everybody, Billy. Alienating Billy. It's like Michael Scott said, I love inside jokes. I, I hope to be a part of one someday. Uh, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, fuck off, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jesus Christ, Jake. Coming out with fucking inside jokes that nobody would understand. Inside inside baseball banter. Nobody gets. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, you can make like re- re- reoccurring jokes like throughout the episodes but yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're talking no about, you're ta- about the chat you're talking about off-air stuff in the chat billy you're just yeah seriously you're you're, uh-huh. you're starting off in the negatives this episode we're grading you and you're negative something <laughs> it's definitely higher than zero percent now anyway jesus fuck yeah welcome welcome to the show billy all right. Thanks, Brian. Help me here. Speaking of breaks, Jake, I think I need one to be quiet. <laughs> why, why can't you ask for one now? Why can't you ask for one now? Jesus. Anyway, no, sorry, uh, I just peed. Yeah, literally now. Um, 
<sighs> Boy. Uh, guys, uh, if you haven't, we just uh, dropped an episode recently, had, had an interview with comic book writer Tom King. He's done a lot of work over at DC, writing for Batman, uh, and uh, did the uh, the Vision series over at Marvel. Fantastic comic book writer. We got a chance to uh, interview him, me and Paul Hart from Apple the Orange. Just got a chance to interview Tom King and Elsa Chartier, who are doing uh, – it's actually Tom King's first – independent book it's his first creator-owned comic uh love everlasting and uh it is a fantastic comic book so i mean if you've ever thought about reading comics and you're interested in maybe starting and you don't know what to start with i would highly recommend maybe listening to our episode and then getting this book when it comes out in august it comes out august 10th and it's an absolutely fantastic read. So uh, please listen to that interview. Tom was such an amazing guest. Elsa was amazing. Had so much fun talking with them. So please give that one a listen. And uh, yeah, add Love Everlasting to your pull list. That's that awesome. You, did, you did such a great job with those questions, Brian. I, I was in awe of you. I was like, I could never fucking do this. Brian is so good at this. <laughs> oh, stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> go on uh, yeah. <laughs> no it was just so great i mean the, and you could tell that they thought the same thing too like you they really had to think about some of those questions you asked and uh i agree if you've never read a comic it's a great podcast to listen to you guys really do a good job of kind of walking around the bush and not really spoiling the comic per se but still giving enough to give intrigue and interest into wanting to read so yeah you, it was a great podcast Thank you. Joe, if you feel like complimenting me too, you can go right ahead, buddy. <laughs> no, it really was. It was a fantastic interview. Um, Tom King just seems like such a down-to-earth, awesome guy. Um, he he wrote uh, Rebirth uh, Batman for, for uh, DC. Uh, it was a really, really great run. Had some really epic story arcs in it. And knowing that he's doing uh, a creator, uh, creator-owned book now through Image, I, I can't wait to read it. And yeah, it was just a fantastic interview. Um, uh, Elsa's art style is really, really cool. I looked it up online and, and looked at her, some of her stuff. Um, uh, they were both just super cool. It did seem like that interview could have gone on for, for much longer. <laughs> like you guys, it was a, a, like a very chill atmosphere. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, uh, their last interview, uh, over the past, uh, I think they'd done him for, three days so it's they're on the third day they started doing it on tuesday and we talked with them on thursday and we were their their last interview on that thursday and i was like man you know they've already been doing this for quite a few days i hope that we're able to have their energy level up and and get them excited about it and i it was a lot of fun talking to tom and i mean i even feel like at the end there was a lot of like me and Tom just kind of like goofing around and you know, a little bit of a fuck around, a little bit of Brian Tom fuck around at the end where we were just, you know, just bullshitting. And it was a lot of fun to talk with Tom King, Um, you know. So, yeah, I, that's it. I think like if you listen to the interview, it will really endear you to this this creative team and you'll kind of be kind of compelled to actually pick up and read the book. And, you know, it sounds like Someone is definitely going to be adapting this into a TV series eventually. And, you know, you can be in on the ground floor. You can be like that person that was like, oh, yeah, I was It's based on a comic book. I was reading this years ago and the comic's great and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I that's what I kind of love about all this stuff. It's like 
nobody knew when The Walking Dead came out that it was going to be this huge phenomenon when it came out. And it is. And I feel like this does have that potential. This hits a lot of fucking um, – it, it checks a lot of boxes. It does a lot of like the whole, you know, the Groundhog's Day stuff where things kind of like repeat each – issue is you're thrown into a different story it's got the romance angle that i think a lot of people will be into that romance angle but also there's this mystery there's murder there's cursing it's really fucking great it's a it's such a fantastic book it's love everlasting comes out from image comics uh next month august 10th and uh you can get it at a at a local comic shop your local lcs or i mean there are tons of subscription services for comics that uh that are online i i actually go through gmart there's atomic empire there's midtown comics there's a lot of places that you can start your own pull list and they'll just ship the comics to you every month so definitely please do tom a solid cuz like he this is his baby this is his passion project and it it really he was i mean he you could really tell that on the episode so um, yeah, he called it his Sandman. I was like, yeah. my, my jaw dropped. I was like, wow. Yeah, he's excited about this. And I I was blown away that it took him 14 years to do his first creator owned. So yeah, very excited. Jake, I had thought that I had seen every John Hughes movie. And then I saw um, that I have not. There's a John Hughes movie that I have never seen. Yeah, what's that? Have you? Do you think you've seen every John Hughes movie? I don't. Really? Which one are you missing? Well, like, what's not in your John Hughes collection? Do you know off the top of your head? No, I'm 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 googling right now to look at the list. Yeah, I've seen all the big ones: Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles, yeah. Ferris Bueller, Breakfast Club, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. What is it? Curly Sue. I've never seen Curly Sue. Oh, I love Curly Sue. Yeah, John Belu- uh, Jim Belushi, uh, and then uh, the young girl, I can't remember. But yeah, I've never seen Curly Sue, and I didn't realize that it was a John Hughes movie. Yeah, I saw that in the theater, actually. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I knew, and like, I, like at the time when it came out, it was pretty popular because it was John Hughes, and, and you know, it was all over the place. I saw it, like, you know, they were doing interviews with the cast all the time, and I, I saw the trailers in the theater and stuff. I never saw the movie. Joe, have you ever seen Curly Sue? I don't think I've ever even heard that title. Really? Before. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. Actually. Well, you're, you're a millennial. That makes sense. Um, <laughs> sorry, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I honestly, I haven't. I mean, I've I've seen all those other movies that Jake listed, but I've actually never heard of that. Yeah, this I, it probably came out before you were even fucking born. To be quite honest, ninety-one. Yeah, I was born in ninety. So yeah. Yeah, you. It's one of those that just got away from Jake. Do you think I should watch Curly Sue? Do you think I should just I like do. check that off my John Hughes watching material? I do think you should watch it. Wow, it's a thirteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's thirteen. Never trust. Never trust the critic scores for stuff that came out before Rotten Tomatoes was even a bit. You know what I mean? Like for movies that came out before Rotten Tomatoes was even a thing. Never trust the critic scores on shit like that. Stuff doesn't age well a lot of the time, and so yeah. Don't ever, don't ever trust ratings on like movies that came out. They've had so much time to sit with it, and yeah, that makes. You'd sense. about need to look up the original reviews from when yes. it came out. A hundred percent, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah, I never trust the Rotten Tomato scores with like older movies. So, ah, uh, let's see here. Anyway, yeah, Curly Sue. Um. We're going to start things off a little bit differently this week. Uh, we're not going to jump into good pop, bad pop right away. 
Uh, we're actually going to be talking about uh, San Diego Comic Con uh, 2022. It's coming up next week. And that episode, we're actually going to be recording on a Sunday for that one because it's always a pain in the ass for me when we record on a Saturday night during a San Diego Comic-Con and news is coming out right as we're recording. And then we have to react on the fly. Sometimes that's fun. But you know what? This year, I with the tease of like what Marvel's doing in Hall H, I really just wanted to record on that Sunday. That way we could get it all kind of together. And I'll still try to get the episode out on Sunday. If not, it'll be on Monday. Fucking deal with it. <laughs> you, you like how I put that, Jake? Deal with it. <laughs> I like it. I like it very much. I'm like, I, I agree with that decision. Last time Marvel did the big Hall H thing, it was just such a pain in the ass. I'm like reading tweets like live on the episode. Yeah. I'm distracted. Everyone's trying to react to things you're just hearing. It was fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and listen to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I, it'll be a lot. And really not a lot comes out on Sunday. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure... I don't know who's got panels on Sunday. I know this is Apple TV Plus's first year at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Maybe they're doing a panel on Sunday. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think the big stuff's going to be on Saturday. And so I think having that uh, that full day to to put together stuff for, for our San Diego Comic-Con episode will be a lot of fun. So expect that next week. Uh, and then we'll have a bonus episode where we'll be reviewing, uh, with full spoilers, the movie Nope and, I believe, The Gray Man. So we'll be talking about those two movies and spoilers. And I'll probably even give you a timestamp for the second movie, whatever the second movie is that we talk about. Anyway, there are San Diego Comic-Con supposed leaks that showed up this week on Reddit. I don't know if they originally came from 4chan or whatever, but some of these leaks actually line up from what we've heard from, you know, scoopers that, uh, you know, seem to have a decent track record. Uh, you know, Casey Walsh, My Time to Shine Hello, Great Phase 15, Daniel RPK, and, Sil- and Sinistealth have uh, all validated some pieces of, of what we're about to go over today. And maybe some of these are going to happen. Maybe it's going to be something completely different. Um, but I did want to go over these leaks and, uh, maybe I, you know, we'll ask the question. I'll ask you guys the question. Do you think it's bullshit? What do you, I mean, <laughs> Jake, first off, what are you expecting from Marvel? studios at hall h this year do you think that they're gonna they're going into hall like do you think that they're going to hall h just to just to go back or do you think they're actually going with big news i mean like there's on on one hand it's like oh they're just gonna show up and give us black panther wakanda forever footage and some of the cast is gonna come out and there you go and then on the other hand like these leaks it's just like announcement after announcement after announcement after announcement what do you think? I mean, I think it's going to be a bit of both. I expect to see footage. That's from the all- safe answer. I, I, I'm going to elaborate. I, I expect to see footage from all the stuff we know. I don't think they're going to leave any of that stuff on the table. But I, I do expect a big drop of something that we don't quite know yet, like a director announcement or a movie announcement or just some kind of a timeline of when to expect things we know are coming but don't quite know when. I don't think they're doing Hall H again to just show us a Wakanda Forever trailer and a She-Hulk trailer and then dip out. 
Well, She-Hulk has so, got to be more. We're so close to She-Hulk right now. I think like we're getting we're getting that secret invasion trailer, you know. Um that's what I would that's what I would imagine, but uh I guess I'm worried yeah. how accessible this stuff will be to us too cuz I know like some stuff they always put online in HD, but some stuff you're like watching off of fucking cell phone cams. I mean, I would imagine that the Black Panther stuff will probably be released immediately after. But as far as like some of the footage from the other stuff, if it's, you know, I mean, yeah, we might have to wait until somebody leaks this shit. And that's always annoying because, I mean, it's just really hard to judge something based on a, a cell phone video. Oh, it's true. And then you got the crowd reacting to like something that happens and then you can't even hear what the people are saying in the fucking trailer. Yeah, I hate that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go over these. Let's go over these. I want to get your guys' thoughts. Uh, the first one they say, they talk about is actually Deadpool 3. Ryan Reynolds will be in attendance to announce the next Deadpool movie, which isn't titled Deadpool 3. Uh, director Sean Levy will send in a video. So, um, hmm. Deadpool 3, I, I mean, we're getting a Deadpool. We know we're getting it. We know we're getting Sean Levy, so... I, 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 would say I, I this buy could, the drop yeah. the number thing. I mean, that's the end thing to do with movies right now. It kind of separates the first Deadpool MCU movie from the previous Fox stuff by not calling it Deadpool 3. Um, there might even be a nod to Deadpool being in the MCU in whatever the title is, would be my guess. I was thinking today, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if they did like, you know, like a Deadpool <laughs> Deadpool in the multiverse of something, you know what I mean? And it kind of like made fun of the multiverse of madness title, you know? Yeah, that's good. It's like Deadpool's MCU vacation. Yeah. Like some kind of play off of a recurring title. That would be really funny if it was kind of a self-aware title like that. I do agree that, that dropping the number and, and doing something different is a, a smart move to do for his first move or movie uh, in the MCU. Yeah, it kind of separates it from, like, the Fox stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther, they say that Ryan Coogler, Denai Guerrera, Tina Cuerta, and Dominique Thorne will be present and bring their first trailer for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm buying it 100%. Totally. Yeah, definitely. There's been a lot of stuff about that movie out in the last week or so. So, I mean, that's pretty believable. Yeah, we're going to save a lot. I've got a lot of Marvel rumors coming in the Marvel news. Uh, I mean, I've got Marvel rumors like crazy. And some of those are actually for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, So, yeah, we're all buying that one. Secret Invasion. No one will be in attendance for Secret Invasion, but they will reveal the main cast and share some footage. They're currently filming. Makes sense, I guess, right? I mean, maybe fo- footage is fine. Not a single person in attendance, though. I, I don't buy that. I feel like there's got to be someone, right? I mean, are they still filming? That was going to be my question, because I feel like I've read articles and seen pictures and stuff, because it's filming over in London, at least recently it has been. I mean, it, it'd be a video, if anything, if they're still filming, so... Yeah, it's just odd how for the Deadpool spoiler, they, you know, they totally say that Sean Levy will send in a video. I feel like the same thing would happen here if no one's there. Well, they they just don't have the scoopers just don't have confirmation. I mean, that could Uh, be the case. It's just like they can't they're only going to put out stuff that their sources told them and given them confirmation for. They don't know every piece. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. 
So, uh, Blade, uh, Mahersha Ali, Kit Harrington, Aaron Pierre, Milan Ray, and Basim Tariq will be in attendance for some news. One big piece of news is that Anthony Starr will play Dracula. So Homelander is going to play Dracula in Blade. Yes, please. <laughs> I hope this is true. Oh, He's man. So cool. I just honestly, I just, I think Anthony Starr, I, <sighs> I want him in the MCU, but I don't know if, like, I want him as this character, right? Well, as long as they don't just make it a one-and-done character, because, you know, Dracula would be a good character to, to kind of have lurking in the background uh, to be, you know, threatening throughout multiple films, especially if they're starting to introduce this Marvel horror aspect. I think it could be a conscious choice on his side, too, to kind of take casting on a part that's maybe a little bit less superhero-y flying around superpowers. I mean, obviously Dracula can do some of those cool things, but it's different enough maybe for him that makes it exciting because obviously Homelander is such an iconic character. Maybe he doesn't want to mix that too much. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking like, you know, him playing another villain. I don't know. I I love the announcement that Anthony Starr would be in the MCU. I just don't know if I'm excited for him to play Dracula. Yeah, Dracula smells like a one and done villain to me yes. too. I, I really can't see that happening beyond a movie. And I know he's tied up with stuff with the boys, but you know, it's like I don't know. I'd like to see him play somebody much bigger, have a much bigger role in the MCU. To be quite honest with you, wouldn't it be great if they brought him in as Hyperion? Oh, that would be hilarious! That would, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um. <laughs> uh, so I'm a little mixed on that one. I love hearing the name Anthony Starr, but him as Dracula, it feels one and done. And this is a guy that I love so much that I would love to see him really stick around and be like a big piece in the MCU. Because I think he is just so multi-talented. And it's not like he can just – it's not like he'll just be able to play like the Homelander character like i don't want to because he's got so much more talent to be quite honest with you like i mean seeing him at the panel at c2e2 a few uh, a couple years ago he, he and he's just super fucking hilarious too in real life just a super funny outgoing guy um definitely the most outspoken of the cast when it comes to like interviews and like definitely like crowd reaction from from him and everything that he was saying during the panel just really just just a fucking cool guy. I I was blown away by like how funny and personable he seemed. Um the Marvels, uh Brie, Iman, and Tayana will be there when they show their footage. Uh Zawi Ashton will not be present due to her pregnancy. Anson Mount will reprise his role as Black Bolt. <laughs> Jody- That's the toughest part to believe. Yeah. Totally. Jody Turner Smith will join as Medusa in the post credits of the movie, setting up Universal and Humans as a big cosmic story going forward. Yeah, I'm not buying this at all. I, I think they fucking dropped the ball with Inhumans. I don't think they're really looking to kind of fix that anytime soon. I mean, maybe further down the road in the future. Um, I feel like the Doctor Strange Black Bolt thing was just kind of a nod and a wink that it wasn't completely ignored. But yeah, and this seems really weird to me. Yeah, totally. Not- I just don't buy them bringing back in humans. I I feel like the MCU is is done with them. I I feel like some of the 
other recent things that they've done in in some of their phase four properties like kind of in fact leads breadcrumbs away from inhumans so i read this with thinking there's no way that the that they're bringing back the in setting up this big universal inhumans thing it just doesn't seem likely yeah right with the x-men right around the corner that's dude, it this is what we're gonna do yeah, right exactly now. it's yeah, because exactly. i mean they've got to set up the x-men there's no reason to set up a whole other group i mean i I think I think maybe why we're getting Secret Invasion on Disney Plus is for the fact that it's it's the Cree and all that stuff, and they still got to do fucking X Men. No, I agree, bro. I mean, just think about the different things they're even trying to introduce. Like you said, X Men, Cree. They're doing the supernatural stuff. They're doing a lot of these pantheons with the gods. They're doing a lot of different things with afterlife and things like. There's so many different types of things they're asking the audience to digest. I. I doubt they're going to try to introduce another kind of level and then have to make them start to discern between it's already kind of enough as it is. And then bringing back Anson Mount. And I mean, you know, I think he's a great actor and I love him, but bringing him back and, and, uh, Jody Turner Smith as Medusa and all this stuff. And I think Kevin Feige just kind of like wants to, you know, he's like, okay, it was fun to do that because it was the multiverse. But I'm going to wash my hands of the Inhumans. Uh, prepare for the X-Men. That's what everybody's excited for. Totally. Uh, World War Hulk. Uh, this is another announcement. Uh, was originally going to be a movie. It is now being turned into a four-part series for Disney Plus that may have a small theatrical release. This could possibly be the big Avengers event before Secret Wars with many big characters. I'm not really buying this either, to be honest with you. I, I just don't feel like the setup has happened. I, I don't see how this story in any way is a lead into Secret Wars either. Like they're, they're pretty far removed from each other. Like one's about the multiverse and one's about just a pissed off Hulk. I, I don't know. I'm just not buying this at all. I, I didn't buy this one either. And, and mostly because of the setup. It's like, okay, well, we get a fairly, you know, calm looking Bruce Banner in what we've seen so far of the She-Hulk trailers, uh, the the time that we see him at the end of She-Hulk or at the end of Shang-Chi in that stinger. I mean, World War Hulk is that was in the comics, if I'm remembering correctly. That was kind of the follow up to Planet Hulk, you know, where where he gets kicked off of Earth, basically, by the Illuminati, wins a big war and then brings a bunch of people back to wreak havoc on Earth. It's like, well, how are they going to do that in the MCU? With, with the way that they have things set up right now, it just doesn't feel likely. And if they were to do something big like that, is Disney Plus the best place to put that? Uh, it, if it is true, it, it has me worried. To be honest, I, I mean, I may be in the minority. I kind of want to see it. It's cool. And it's I not whether you want to. It's not whether you want to see it. It's whether you believe it. But go into why you want to see it. I would want to see it just for the fact that I think it is a cool event. It does make sense in the fact to try to bring them together. And I, I know what you're saying, Joe, as far as like what that actual storyline was. But we've seen in the MCU that they've taken the titles of runs and kind of taken liberties <laughs> and kind of made it fit into their own. Um, I think it would be a cool way to honestly make the Hulk character relevant beyond She-Hulk. I mean, I think after we see this attorney at law season, it's – the mentorship kind of passing along the reins. And then is that really where his arc's going to end? And I think it would be 
really interesting and very Hulk like where he doesn't get to kind of have that instant happy ending and it, it does continue. And I, I want to see more Hulk in the MCU. So if that's a way we get it, then yeah, I'm all aboard for it. Do I believe that it's going to happen? I, the only reason I could believe it's the Disney plus is probably because of the, the movie rights still, but I'm, I'm leaning towards it probably not happening, but I really do want it to happen. I'm split on this because I think uh, I think you guys are forgetting about one of the earlier rumors that My Time to Shine Hello reported months ago was that She-Hulk was going to end with Bruce Banner, the Hulk, being shipped off planet. If that rumor is true, and My Time to Shine Hello has been pretty on point with a lot of her rumors, this sets up exactly what I believe we could be getting from this series. So I am 50% on this one. I do think that there's a chance of this happening. They can't do a movie because Universal has, um, you know, uh, uh, distribution rights. So they can't do a movie, but they can do a series. They, uh, Universal doesn't own the TV rights for the character. And they, you know, as far as like Hulk showing up, uh, as far as like a solo movie, and like, Hulk can show up in anybody else's movie and it's not a problem for Marvel Studios. But I, I am 50-50 on this one. I do think that there's a huge chance that this could happen. I think they want to have Ruffalo be around and I think that they do want to make some of these, you know, Disney Plus series, um, maybe bigger and maybe be a little bit more ambitious. Hulk looks great in the trailers for She-Hulk and it's because they already have all of that, uh, uh, I, uh, the, the, the graphics and stuff like that, that they can just kind of like pull over from the movies that they've done. That's why Hulk looks so much better than her. So I think that this is a hundred percent, uh, not a hundred percent, but I think this is definitely something that could happen. Yeah, I could see it. My time to shine. Hello does not usually report bullshit. It just seems so like, weird like they already did i know he left on his own accord but they already kind of did it where he took off into outer space it's like oh, this time he's being kicked out i mean it just feels like been there done that to me they missed their window for this in my opinion i wonder if it'd be damage control that would be doing it just like you know getting way too you know high on themselves realizing okay we can't do shit with the hulk and if they somehow manage to get him sedated or something, just stuff him into a rocket and shoot him off into space. Yeah, that that yeah, the the Department of Damage Control ships him off into space. And uh, I wonder if things kind of changed too now that William Hurt passed away too. I I would I would have imagined that Ross would have been kind of behind some of this stuff too. It's like they're trying to set up this Thunderbolts team, and you don't want to have. Does that make any sense? It does no, make absolutely. sense. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely had more plans for William Hurd. I, I even think that eventually they were thinking about doing the Red Hulk stuff with that character. It's been teased so forever. Very... I agree, too. It's been teased forever, and we thought that it would eventually get there. It's just been very slow moving. I, I would have thought that we would have got that years ago. But now that the Thunderbolts is like in full swing, I thought it was definitely going that way. But I wonder how they're going to explain Ross. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if they'll just recast. Hmm. Maybe they'll say he was experimenting or something and it didn't go well for him or something. I don't know. What if they do something weird and make it so that Betty Ross is the it somehow becomes the Red Hulk? 
I think that would be cool. It would be fun to have a whole new mystery for the MCU, just like the comic books, where we get an MCU Red Hulk, and because we know Ross is dead, we don't know who this character is right away. I would that love something cool. like that. It would be great to get more Liv Tyler in the MCU. Yeah. Yeah, kind of give her uh, a, a kind of like an arc that we saw most recently with uh, Natalie Portman getting some time as uh, the hero here. But um, yeah, we'll see. Oh, dude, they could even set that up to where that's how why they have to get Bruce off planet is because if, if Bruce were to find out that they had Betty and were experimenting on her or something, that there'd be nothing to stop him. I mean, what would make him more angry than that? Well, maybe since maybe it's something to do with because here's the thing. <clears throat> with uh maybe ross was doing experiments oh, now i'm just now i'm just doing fan fiction now i'm just it. doing fan fiction and i hate that i hate that but there's something about the banner blood and there's something about the banner blood being exposed to gamma that makes them the hulk because that's what the theory is going into she-hulk is that when thanos does his snap and it sends off a wave of gamma that snap turned her into She-Hulk, that gamma radiation. The whole world is exposed to it, but it's only the banner, something to do with their DNA and blood. And maybe it was like something to do with like Ross's blood that would turn him into the Red Hulk. And since he's dead, the only Ross that's left is his daughter. So now we need to use her. I'm That's all fan fiction. I'm just fucking I'm just pulling shit out of my ass now gentlemen <laughs> somebody stop me guardians of the galaxy volume three a majority of the cast will be in attendance and they will show some footage james gunn they didn't mention him i yeah yeah he doesn't sound like he's gonna be there i wonder if he'll be at d23 i bet he will I bet he will. I, and I believe this 100%. We know this is a, one of the big movies. I think this is the big summer movie for next year. So I, I could see this happening. Yeah, that one's very believable. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania. We will see some footage with actors Rudd, Lily, and Newton present. Uh, Jonathan Majors will send in video as Kang. So... That's I cool. believe yeah. that. I, I can't wait to see that video. Also, if he's doing it in full makeup and yeah. character and everything, it'd be spectacular. Oh, God. Sick. The fucking crowd will go nuts. Yes. <laughs> yes, they will. It'll like interrupt in the middle of another paddle. Right? One at a time, guys. Cool. One at a time. Somebody can start. I was, it'll probably just be another variant, right? We're not, we're, st- I don't think we're still yet to see like the official main villain Kang Kang yet. I think this will be yet another variant. Maybe it'll be the one that we saw in Loki. <clears throat> yeah, could be. I don't know. That doesn't get me excited. I want to see. No, fucking, not at all. I, I want to say if they show yeah. a video and it's the exact same costume and everything is was that he who remains. Yeah. Then, yeah, that won't have as big like give us something that looks like that statue that they showed us. Yeah. Again, you know, with the helmet and everything like that. That's what I want. <laughs> yes. I want to see that Kang. And I do agree that there's probably a bunch of different Kangs out there. And it's like, okay, which is the one that's going to come out on top? Is it, is it going to be this one from quantum mania? Is it going to be a different one? Uh, I think it'd be, go I ahead. think it'd be really cool if they sent in, if they do the video in character, like you guys are saying, if it maybe interrupted a different panel about a different movie, it wasn't kind of scripted. Hey, we're talking about Ant-Man. Then he sends in the video. It'd be kind of cool if it 
it was him kind of inserting himself. I, I think that would get the crowd, make them go beyond nuts. I think it'd be cool if we just heard like the Kang voice. You know, it's like a black screen. We hear his Kang voice. And then it just like a real quick flash, a blip on the screen. If we actually get to see what it would look like, you know, and that's probably one of those things that they wouldn't release. But I think that that would be kind of cool presentation, but we'll see what they do. We, I, we just, I mean, if this is not going to be released to the public, you know, it would, it would just be for the people's eyes that are in Hall H attendance. So. All right. And, what in, in any of their cell phone cameras that are hopefully out, <laughs> yeah. regardless of how shitty that is, I guess I'd rather see that than nothing at all. Yeah. Wonder Man uh, will be announced with Henry Golding as Simon Williams. Now, this is the actor from Crazy Rich Asians. He was also the actor that played Snake Eyes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's an, that's an interesting choice. I like the actor. Uh, they also go on to say an interesting detail is that Evan Peters is returning as Ralph Boner, but may have a new name, will likely be a side character in the show. So, I don't know. <laughs> I, this is the thing I groaned at the most in this entire <laughs> list. I was just like, like, I'm not saying whether or not I think it's true. Like, probably it probably is true as much as I dislike it. But, yeah, I'm over Evan Peters in the MCU. I, I don't give a shit what his new name is going to be. I, I hope this isn't true, but my gut tells me it probably fucking is. If he fucking comes back as Ralph Boner and doesn't come at, back as uh, Pietro, I'm pissed. Same. Yeah, I'm already pissed. So, yeah, I'll just be more pissed. I think it's relatively believable, but my whole gripe again, and kind of just the list goes on, there are better things coming on the list, but if, if a lot of these things are true... I'm really hoping some of the the bigger things we've been waiting for, maybe you know, I'm not saying that they are all listed for this, but, you know, the X-Men type of things or Fantastic Four type of things like I'm, I'm hoping if we're getting Wonder Man and we're getting these type of announcements, that it, at least we're going to get something major sprinkled in with them, because to me, it's just going to be more of the same Disney Plus stuff, more series, more series, more series. But I'd like to hear about one of these big things that we've been waiting for for a long time. Daredevil, Man Without Fear. That's basically what they're saying. The title of this uh, new Disney Plus series is going to be will be announced with Charlie Cox starring along uh, with Isaac Gonzalez as Electra. Yeah, I mean, this feels like an even if this was made up and not just a rumor, it feels like a, a dead on point thing to make up. Like, I believe this 100 percent. Oh, we know we're getting the series. This is the easiest one to make up. Just make up a title that's based on a comic book title and then just say, here's the two actors that are involved in it. You know, so, yeah. (laughs) And and with this being a continuation of the Netflix stuff, I wonder what they're going to do to bring Elektra back. And I mean, that's a different casting as as the actors who played played Elektra in the Netflix series, right? I'm not sure. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's a different actress. Okay. Uh Oh, yeah. This next one, it's kind of been backed up a little bit by uh, Daniel RPK. He uh, recently had uh, on RPK News that Giancarlo Esposito has reportedly had talks with Marvel Studios recently for an unknown role. And it lines up with the next rumor of this reveal that um, Feige will announce a mutant-centered film with Giancarlo Esposito as Charles Xavier – and Glenn Powell, Glenn Powell as Scott Summers. So Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick, 
and um, he played Hangman. I actually was like, you know, on that episode that we recorded for Top Gun Maverick, I was like fan casting him for a role in the MCU. And I think even like, I don't know. I, I know one of our listeners or somebody has said like, yeah, what about him as like Cyclops? So, I mean, I love it. I love Giancarlo. Well, hold on. I was actually kind of hoping that Giancarlo Esposito would be Magneto. And I know that's typecasting him, but <laughs> yeah, he's, but, such a, he's such a great villain. It's hard to not put him in that role. I think that's where he would thrive. Honestly, is playing Magneto. I really do. I yeah, think unless, we, really... unless we go with the uh, Xavier kind of turning bad route, which they've never really done in any of the movies, and I, I've always thought was an interesting storyline. Yeah, that's very true, especially with like, the modern comics and stuff. They could definitely start him as a you know a, a more of a protagonist, but then kind of have that shades of gray, and they can maybe if they do start to introduce our own Illuminati and things like that, they can really explore that side of the character. Yeah, I, I really buy this casting. I, I could I could see him wanting to take something that would be a big role that wouldn't be a villain just to do something different. And I think that that'd be a pretty good carrot to dangle in front of him to get him to sign on to something like that. Uh, I think it's really inspired. I love the idea of of him playing Xavier and I can totally buy Glenn Powell is Scott Summers. And I can't remember if I said Glenn Powell is Cyclops. I, I'm pretty sure I said Taron Edgerton as him but i could see glenn powell doing it as well he's got a perfect chin mm-hmm. <laughs> to to put to put in that outfit you know yeah yeah i think he, i think he'd be good i just oh man i think he'd be good as a couple other marvel characters to be quite honest with you too so i don't know we'll see yeah i hope he knows what he's getting into so many people fucking dislike cyclops yeah well i mean yeah. they could reinvent the character here in the mcu I mean, we could see, I mean, we could, they could totally reinvent the character in the MCU. I mean, we'll see what they do. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I love Glenn Powell. I just was, I was kind of hoping for maybe a different, maybe seeing him cast as like, I, I, I think I said Iceman. But I can't remember yeah. exactly who he'd, I said. He'd be a good Iceman also. Yeah. yeah. So those, oh, and then, uh uh, at the end will be an announcement for Blade. Blah, blah, blah. No, okay. Anyway. But uh, one person kind of coming out and saying, like, don't believe all this stuff has been uh, Steven Weintraub from Collider. Uh, on Twitter, uh, at Collider Frosty, he says, love reading all these people that say they know what Marvel Studios is doing at Comic-Con. They're all lying. Marvel keeps the con info on super secret lockdown, especially this far out. As we get closer to next Saturday, something could leak, but not a week out. So I don't know. I mean, you've got multiple leakers that are saying that this is some of the stuff that is going to come out. And so I think it'll be a mixed bag. Some of these. Some of these will be true. Some of these won't be true. Maybe some of these will even not even show up at the panel. We'll see. I, I, I can't see them not announcing the Daredevil series. We know it's coming. I mean, the stuff that we know that's coming, I don't see any reason 
why. I guess the big ones are going to be like, you know, the casting for Giancarlo Esposito and Glenn Powell and this mutant centered film, uh, you know, maybe the World War Hulk stuff, you know, um, but the other stuff I think that we know that's coming definitely could see some announcements and, and, and people from the cast coming out on stage and some videos and stuff like that. So we'll see. I, I cannot wait for next Saturday when Marvel returns to Hall H. Uh, that's going to be super exciting. I mean, the people, a lot of the people that were going to San Diego Comic-Con probably weren't even expecting this. And now it is probably just blown up. People are going to be camping out probably two days before the fucking hall opens just so they can make it, try to make it into hall age. Cause like, that's the thing. Like once you're in there, people don't leave. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's such a hot fucking ticket. Like you'll go if it's fucking a rainbow bright panel first thing in the morning, you'll oh, be yeah. at that panel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what all happens with that. But that's all the news that I have as far as like, um, San Diego Comic Con. They did have some rumors about D23, and we will go over those. Um, Marvel is saving the announcement of Captain America 4, Fantastic Four, Thunderbolts, and Shang-Chi 2 for D23. Um, they say Armor Wars, Nate Moore will executive produce along, uh, alongside, uh, Don Shadle, uh, John Favreau, Sam Rockwell, and Walton Goggins will reprise their MCU, MCU roles. That makes sense that we're getting uh, more Sam Rockwell in the Armor Wars coming back. From, Absolutely. You know, we, you know, Armor Wars, you think of, you know, Stark Industries and you think of, uh, you know, Hammer Tech. So it makes it sense. It wouldn't make any sense if he wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, I, I, you know, we'll go over some of the other casting rumors for Fantastic Four and Marvel News, but this is what they're saying. Jamie Dornan will play Reed Richards. No Is thoughts. That the guy from you? Yeah, it's Christian Gray. No, not Jamie. That's not him. That's 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 a completely different actor. Jamie Dornan from Belfast. Jamie Dornan from The Tourist. I love no, Jamie not. Dornan. Christian Gray. Oh, oh, uh, I was thinking you guys said didn't one of you say the you actor, or did you say no, that's who I thought it was. I was asking. I wasn't sure. Who no, was. he's no, the Shades of Grey guy. Oh, okay. Oh, Fifty Shades of Grey yep, guy. Yep, yep. Sorry, I got. It. I was confusing it with the the you guy. I, we'll talk about that rumor in Marvel news. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, Jamie Dornan is from the Fifty Shades of Grey. I th- I I fucking love it. I love that actor. Yeah, he's really like versatile. Uh, he was so great in Barb and Star, like showing his humor side and doing the musical number and all that stuff. And yeah, I think the sky's the limit with uh, Jamie Dornan. Yeah, I I think he's fantastic. I'm not all that familiar with him. I think I just saw bits and pieces of that that first Fifty Shades movie. Um, but no, it's it sounds like he he could be a right one for the job. Um, uh, I I was really on board with um, you know John Krasinski, and then after. The, what we got with him in, in Multiverse of Madness, I, I took that as a here's what you're getting <laughs> and, and you're not getting any more of of this. So it is kind of cool to see that it, uh, someone else could be getting, you know, cast in it. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get Krasinski. I think it'll I think no, it will I don't be think we else. will either. I, I think that ship has sailed. But I don't know yeah, if we're getting Jamie Dornan either. I mean, I would love it. 
to be quite honest with you. And I mean, if, if, if you're just, if, if your only exposure to this guy is the 50 shades of gray, you're not going to be excited at all. But like, if you've seen his other stuff, like the tourist and Barb and star and Belfast, I mean, he's got range and he's, he's really good. He's got comedic chops. I think Jamie Dornan would be a fantastic Reed Richards. I don't, I just don't know if he has like <laughs> the traditional Reed Richards look, honestly, but I think it's a, it's a good get for the MCU if they can, if they can land this guy. Well, it seems like they're casting them all fairly younger too. I mean, not like fan four stick young, but maybe younger than the original fantastic four movies that came out. And they're pretty young in that last one in, in the Trank one. That's what he said. Oh, yeah, okay. I would say not that young, but gotcha, kind of maybe gotcha. in between the two movies. Uh, they go on to say Amanda Seyfried as uh, Sue Storm. Uh, I think that's great casting. I think it's fantastic yeah, I casting. Uh, casting. I agree. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I'm trying to look at some of the stuff that, that she's been in that I really enjoyed. I know she was in that. What was that Hulu series most recently? Was it? Uh, can't remember the oh, name it of it. The, it was the one about the pharmacy corporation that was the fraud. Yeah, yeah. Where she's the doctor. That's uh, oh god, what the fuck was that called? It has such a generic name. Uh, the dropout. Yes, yes, that was the name of the show. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, I like her. I think that's really good casting. I'm a big Jennifer's Body stan. So I've always been. A I like that movie too. I don't mind that one. I loved her in Big Love on HBO years ago. Also, I never watched Big Love. Oh, dude, so good. I mean, I know that there's just a, a there's too much content out there to get through. But if you ever want to jump into something, check that out. At least the first season, it'll suck you in. Here's the casting that fucking got my dick hard. <laughs> Joe Keery will play Johnny Storm. So fucking Steve from Stranger Things is Johnny Storm. Holy shit. Oh my God. Yeah. My dick is hard. Veins are popping out. Jesus fucking Christ. That's, <laughs> oh my God. I love that casting. It's very yeah, it inspired seems, casting. Seems perfect too. Like just the cocky <laughs> hot headedness of the character and all. Like you really, I really think he would encapsulate that character so well. Jake, I like multitasking. I like showing my excitement for a casting and also making my audience very uncomfortable at the same time. <laughs> I think you succeeded there. <laughs> I do too. Like, holy, do, like, yeah, Brian, I'm excited too, but now I gotta, you know, I gotta think about your veiny cock. What the fuck, man? <laughs> Why can't we just have our moment without you talking about your penis? He's, he's nice swerve. <laughs> he's definitely somebody who would have cross audience appeal. Some mainstream, some people that watch Stranger Things may not be MCU people, but Steve from Stranger Things in a Marvel movie, there may be some more people that may be apt to check it out. So, I mean, I, I think besides it just being a great casting for the actor, I do think it's smart casting as well on Marvel's side. Jake, do you notice how quickly Billy hopped off my dick there? <laughs> Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> He's like, can we get back to Joe Keery? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I was just rambling on about my penis, and and Billy's just like, I let's let, let's talk about Joe Keery as Johnny Storm here. <laughs> anyway, no, I think I think that's great fucking casting, man. This is kind of wild. Steven Spielberg is in final negotiations to direct and serve as a producer. Please no. 
<laughs> that was the part that felt unreal to me. Uh, I mean, but granted, if you are Steven Spielberg and you're thinking about dipping your toe in the MCU, what an awesome movie to be like, yeah. entice him in with. Like, dude, you could do the Fantastic Four. He's got to be thinking, you know, this is this is something that's huge in comics. The the last few movies that have come out and tried to do it have, have kind of missed the mark. I mean, so he could make a huge splash with this, but it just seems it's it seems like too big of a name to even entertain it as truth. Well, hold on. Let's think about this. I mean, Spielberg is kind of like I feel like he's, you know, he knows he's getting older and I think he's like checking things off the old bucket list. I mean, the last movie was a musical, right? And he always wanted to do it. Like what if there's like there's an itch and he's going to scratch it with a superhero movie and Feige reached out and said, hey, Fantastic Four. Yes, Steven, I realize that you only want to do the first one. Yeah, and, and I got to imagine he doesn't want to deal with a bunch of MCU connections either. Like if we're getting a Spielberg Fantastic Four movie, it feels like that would be a very self-contained movie, the first Fantastic Four movie. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm not the biggest fan of this, though. I love fucking Steven Spielberg, but I think he's lost his touch with popcorn movies. I His last few popcorn movies have been pretty garbage, in my opinion, and uh, I don't know. I hope this isn't true. I'm intrigued. I'm not saying I want it to be true, but I am. I am intrigued. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I know. I kind of want to live in the world where Steven Spielberg makes an MC movie just to see what it would be like. Um, I, I wonder if there would be, you know, execs in Disney and stuff that would have the balls to like give Steven Spielberg <laughs> notes and be like, now we, we really want to introduce this character in a future mm -hmm. film. So we need you to shoehorn and, you know, shoehorn this character in there. Well, oh boy, I think it oh would be <clears throat> any of that stuff. I think that they would shoot like for like a post credit scene and they'd have a different director possibly even do it. Um, oh, that makes sense. They say that the story is mapped out and Steven will bring someone on to write the script. Uh, should he come aboard, he will cast Ben Grimm. So. It's cool. It'd be awesome if, if Spielberg did come on and we got a fucking Johnny Williams Fantastic Four score. That would be fucking killer. Oh, that, like, oh, that'd yeah. Be amazing. Like before he retires, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah if oh that were God. like the final John Williams yeah. score. And I mean, imagine, you know, like the next big Marvel event where all the heroes get together and then they get shots of like we hear like the Black Panther, you know, Wakandan music from uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Goren. Oh, I can't remember the composer's name. Ludwig van Gorenson. Thank you, everyone, for your help there. Um, I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> and then we, you know, like we hear that score, and then all of a sudden we hear the Johnny Williams fucking Fantastic Four as like we sh as they pop into frame. You know, like I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued, but I would not like be upset if somebody else was announced to to direct this thing. And even if it is, you know, Peyton Reed, um, I'd be I'd 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 definitely give this movie a, a chance man i was really looking forward to that john watts uh fantastic four after the the amazingness that we got with spider-man no way home but uh i agree you know i was thinking about watts when i read this announcement and i was like you know if this is true maybe this is why he left where he was like no if you can get spielberg i'll step aside you interesting know? yeah interesting
Um, Agatha, House of Harkness, uh, Jack Schaefer and uh, Mary Lovanos will executive, executive produce. It will star Catherine Hahn, Hannah Waddingham, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara. Fucking love her. Who do you think she's going to be? Maybe like um, her mother or maybe like her original mentor? Definitely some kind of witch character. You don't have her here without without that going on. But yeah, I could see her being Agatha's mom. I think that's perfect. Uh, Amy Poehler and Hunter Schaefer, who will portray Jennifer Kale. Yeah, I like uh, reuniting Amy Poehler and uh, Catherine Hahn. I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Amy Poehler in the MCU is amazing. Yeah. I'm excited to see Hannah Waddingham in there also. She was, she's just so great in Ted Lasso. Oh, and uh, Hunter Schaefer in this? I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. great casting. That's from Euphoria, right? Euphoria. I think she's wonderful. Um, I, I think I had her in the tuppies for Euphoria one year. I think just a phenomenal actor. Uh, let's see here. The only thing about House of Harkness I can't wrap my head around is just what the hell is it going to be? <laughs> you know, and, and is it necessary? Is this something we need? But I guess we're going to Yeah, is it a prequel? Because... Oh, that would make the most amount of sense. Yeah, because her mind's wiped. I, I don't see how we pick up after where we left her off, but uh, who knows? It seems like they'd have to do some heavy lifting with the Scarlet Witch to get us there, too. I feel like I've heard rumors that she might show up in the series, Joe, but I'm not 100% sure how reliable those rumors are. Yeah, or, or, you know, what if, what if, you know, when Scarlet Witch pieced out at the end of multi, uh, Multiverse of Madness, what if that lifted whatever was on Agatha? And now she's able to go out and start causing mischief again. Uh, possible. I can see that. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, or could it be just like the, the Book of Vashanti being wiped out? Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know what the connection would be there, though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Spider-Man 4 is happening. We just won't hear anything about it at San Diego Comic-Con or D23. As far as I know, they haven't even signed Tom Holland to another uh, three mil, uh, three movies. That's been like the big talk going around right now is like, you know, they haven't even signed Tom Holland up for another trilogy yet. So, um, I mean, there was the articles that have come out recently where Kevin Feige had had given notes to Sony about, like, you know, setting up this whole, you know, world that they're doing. Like, guys, don't rush into the Avengers. And that's – they basically took those notes and threw them in the trash because they are <laughs> – it's full steam ahead with Craven and Madam Web. We're getting all – you know, the Adam Scott casting for Madam Web and – No. I, <laughs> I, it's so yeah. cringe. <laughs> that is very succinct. Yeah, that is all the news that I have about that. Well, that's D23, but uh, we'll see what happens at San Diego Comic-Con next year, uh, next week. I'm actually, I'm I'm like, I don't know, Jake. I'm really excited. I hope it doesn't like just land with a thud. Like, uh, I really hope that if Kevin Feige is doing this, that they're really going all out in Hall H this year. I think they are. And I think they're self-aware of these rumors, too, and have plenty of time to shuffle the deck if they think they need to to still surprise people. 
So, yeah, I would take all this stuff with a grain of salt. Even if it's all true, what they will and won't announce could very well change just based on these leaks, honestly. I think it'd be hilarious if you find out, like, Kevin gets up there and he's like, yeah, man. He's like, um, I put out a bunch of fake rumors about what you're going to see this week. <laughs> yeah, eat fucking shit, my time to shine hello. <laughs> and <laughs> what you're getting today is much, much better. And then just blow our fucking dicks off. So... Yeah, exactly. Here's your here's your new Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. X, X- oh, Men will be yeah. out in 2024. Here's the logo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they need to do something to make a splash because just so much of the news coverage of Phase Four recently, it's not all been good, and it's had such like a mixed response among the audience that they really need to do something to kind of reinvigorate the stoke of the, of the audience. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, I agree. When, when is D23, by the way? I'm drawing a blank. It's like October? Am I crazy? September or something like that. It's sometime in the in that range. When is D23 2022? Boom. Let's find out. September 9th through 11th uh, of this year. It'll be in uh, Anaheim. So, yep, September. Okay. But, uh, nice. We don't have to wait too long then. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you, if you drop, if you like, if you front load a bunch of announcements now for Hall H, it's like, what are you going to have left for D23? Hmm. Yeah. We'll see. I think they have to come out with a bang. I mean, they, they need to get that momentum going and then even, like I said, kind of capitalize it and add more for the D23. But I really do think that. A lot more people are kind of coming into the same kind of thinking that we've been having about not really being super psyched on a lot of the MCU stuff, especially the yeah. Disney Plus but stuff. But the proof, I, I the proof is in the subscriptions, Billy. See, here's the thing. It's like we can say this is like critiquing this stuff and being like, ah, you know, phase four isn't as great as like the previous phases. And that's not even unanimous on this podcast. Jake loves phase four. I – Personally, I have not been blown away by Phase 4, but the proof is in the box office. The proof is in the Disney Plus subscriptions. I don't think it really matters like what a few people think about Phase 4 so far. It has a lot to do with like Thor making $130 million domestic that first weekend and, you know, blowing past projections. Um, and then also Disney Plus subscriptions, they have surpassed like what they wanted in their five year plan. I think they like nailed that shit within like year two or something. It, yeah, it, Billy, it, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I think that you're looking at a very small percentage of, of voices. And yeah, no, I don't, I don't take that as in the, the, the health of the MCU or the inevitability of a lot of the box office success. I honestly, I don't, I, I, do, I don't feel like they have to come out with a huge bang here in Hall H. Marvel's going to do what Marvel's going to do and Marvel's going to make money hand over fist every time. I mean, until they come out with like a, sl- like a slew of Morbiuses, I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Again, I none of my arguments are ever like rooted in. Hey, they're in trouble, or they're, they're going to go away. Or I'm just saying. I, I when I say they have to, I just really do think they are sensitive to people like us, who people who are expressing the fans just to get us some hype because there hasn't been as many big announcements. A lot of the stuff that's been coming out, we've known about for a while. So I just kind of think it is high time to get a new slew of announcements of things we aren't aware of. 
just to kind of now have a lot more to debate and talk about. When I say have, I, I understand that the inevitability of the success, and I'm happy about that. I'm not upset that they're successful or think that they're going to lose out or, or not continue to keep pumping out projects. I, I just say that as a fan and a fan who just wants a little bit more than we've gotten, at least in my opinion. That's all. I No, listen, like I'm just I'm you're saying what I would love to say, but I want to say it in a way that I do want them to step up their game. I want them to feel challenged by something. And I don't feel like they do feel like they're, they're, they're they are king shit of fuck mountain right now. Everyone, there is no one in the box office except for like Maverick that can compete with what they're doing right now. And I mean, it's basically them, Maverick and Blumhouse this year. Like the black phone did fucking phenomenal on, uh, I think that movie had the largest budget that I've ever seen from a Blumhouse movie at 18 million and it's done. Fuck. I mean, I think it's made. Oh, has it made over a hundred million? It's made a fuck ton of money. I'll tell you that much. I'm trying to look it up. But I, Black it, phone. Black phone is just, it's blown up. It's been huge for them. But I mean, it's one of the, I would like to see them challenged and up their game because I am in that, that group that I feel like phase four has not been stellar like the other phases. And, and a lot of it, you know, Tristan kind of alluded to it last week when we talked about, you know, Thor. Like, I think, you know, we were a little less picky maybe a decade ago with some of the Marvel movies that came out because like it was new. We were like really in the golden age of superhero movies. Yeah. And, you know, now that we're, you know, 10, 12 years deep into this, we're getting, you know, some of us that have been around since, you know, the beginning and that have been around for like the Disney Plus stuff. We're we're just not as excited as, as we used to be. It just doesn't feel like it's as a much of an event anymore. And the movies have kind of like let us down a little bit. But 68.4 million in the States, 105.9 worldwide. We're like at 180 million or so for that movie. And I mean, that was a, what was it? $18 million budget? I mean, it was pretty modest. One of the larger budgets for Blumhouse, which they usually try to keep it at around five. So I mean, yeah, I mean, but Marvel's just killing it. I don't know, Billy. I mean, I, 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 I'm saying like that's my mindset, but I don't know if Kev- Kevin's in that mindset of like we really have to come out strong at Hall H. I feel like they're just like they he could just be he could it could just be Black Panther and that they call it a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that would and be people so would wild. eat that That'd up. People worst. would be like people like us would be disappointed, but honestly, the majority of people would lose their shit just for that. I think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think mm-hmm. for casuals, that would be very exciting and, and enough. And it, we're, we're so deep into it. It's like, no, give us all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> casuals might not even know there's going to be another Black Panther movie coming out. That's true. It's like it's all, like as soon as we get a little bit closer and we get that first trailer, they're like, oh, shit, we're getting a new Black Panther movie. That's cool. Oh, but, that- but, but Chadwick died. What are they going to do? Yeah. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to the conversation three years later. <laughs> mm. Actually, you know, we're coming up on the two year anniversary next month. August 28th is going to be the two year anniversary of the, of the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And man, oh my gosh, I, I can't, I got that notification while we were recording PCL. I, I just remember being shocked by that. Oh my gosh. 
I, I, I didn't find out while we were recording. I'm pretty sure we. I got uh-uh. the notification about him passing while we were doing an episode. I remember uh, the night that we were – the night that I found, found out, I was laying in bed and I got a message about joining a Zoom call from someone saying, hey, do you want to jump on a Zoom call? We're all talking about Chadwick. And I was like, I had no idea what he meant. And I was just like, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to watch whatever the fuck I was watching. And then I was like, why did – why are they talking about Chadwick? Like probably like 10, 15 minutes later. I'm like, why are they talking about Chadwick? What did he mean by that? And I just did a search and it uh, started seeing, you know, all the, all the uh, articles about Chadwick Boseman passing. And I was just like, holy shit. So I, I was, I, and then I messaged this person back. I said, I had no idea that he had passed. So I, it definitely wasn't during a, a recording. You might've been recording something else, Jake. Yeah, that might be true. I, I, I just remember being busy and seeing the notifi- notification pop up on my phone and being like, oh, shit. Mm. But uh, we got lots more Marvel rumors to cover as this episode goes on. We're going to take a quick break, come back and do good pop, bad pop. Yeah, sounds great. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying, holy shit. That freckled face fucker was right. Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All righty. Yeah, I, I have, uh, Joe, I still have not made, I fucking, and I realized this at the end of the week. It's like, it's like, oh, fuck, dude, you still haven't finished Umbrella Academy. <laughs> I know, I suck also, dude. I still haven't even started season three. Oh, Christ. Hey, I, I'm halfway through season three, and uh, hopefully this week with uh, anticipating all the San Diego Comic-Con news, and that's going to be the main focus of uh you know next week's coverage it'll give me a chance to watch the last five episodes of the umbrella academy because i've really been loving that series is that something that you watch billy yeah i'm fully through i love the most recent season um 
I actually it kind of snuck up on me when it came out, and when you guys were say, talking about getting started on it, I binged through it, and um, I think there, from what I was reading, there's going to be one more season, which I think makes sense. It doesn't seem like a show that I think would go would make sense to go on and on and on. I wish though, and we'll kind of talk about this when we talk about some other Netflix shows. I wish that show had a little bit more of a budget. They gave it a little bit more so it could even up the ante on some of the visual effects and things that I, I think overall it's a great show. I do think that the first two seasons had better. I don't think it was, you know, the best, mm-hmm. but I think it was better than this last one. I think this last one being filmed during the pandemic had a lot to do with some of the effects, honestly. Like some of them were yeah. pretty bad. But, I mean, you know, just like we said in the previous episode where we talked about this, like the story's so good that I'm a lot more forgiving. Agreed. You know, um, I'm still watching the bear. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm, I fucking love it. It is so good. And like, it got renewed for a season two. There's so many articles out there about how like this is like the surprise show. And I just, I love this because it, it's so different than anything that I've ever seen on TV before. Audiences are just loving this fucking show. I think it's like, it was kind of like a sleeper hit and then, it started to pick up more and more traction and now a lot more people are watching this series and Hulu gave it, uh, FX gave it the season two order. So, um, Joe, were you watching this? I watched quite a bit of it with my wife. I, I didn't see every bit of it cause she was watching some of it without me, but I caught quite a bit of it, including the ending. I'm a huge fan of the main uh, character that I think his name is Jeremy white. Uh, he played uh, lip in shameless. Um, now, here's something really interesting that I saw on Reddit that I wanted to get your take on. Uh, people have been talking about him as Wolverine. What What do you see in, in that? I, I think that would be an interesting character I, or an interesting pick. I oh, I don't know if it's as good as some other ones I've heard, but I hadn't heard that take yet. I mean, I, anytime there's like a breakout star or something, it's like now we got to fan cast him for some, And I do the same fucking thing. I don't I just don't see this guy as Wolverine. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it'd definitely be a, a, an interesting pick. I, the first thing I tried to picture him with the hair and the stubble and everything, it's so far away from the character that he plays in this and way far away from from lip and shameless. But, you know, it'd be cool to see if he would be able to pull it off. But it's such a big character that. Yeah. Yeah, I. I I love the show. I worked in restaurants for years and years. My family owned a catering hall, so I grew up around it. And the, what they got so accurately was really just that dynamic of people, some people taking their pride in the kitchen or in their role and then kind of losing that if things aren't going well and kind of seeing different people's passions coming forward and even just the dynamic between them day to day. And it was just so damn accurate. It just made you want to keep going and going. And I love the episode length, too, that there aren't the, even the full hour shows. The show just... It feels like it, it whips by, but it, it holds your intention the entire time. Like I said, it's one of my favorite things that's, that's come out this whole year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of Wolverine, Joe, we're going to be talking about a show that has an actor later. Uh, I'll just throw the name out now. Taron Egerton. I feel mm-hmm. like watching the show that we watched this week, basically every time him taking off his shirt is an audition for his role as Wolverine. <laughs> I thought that too. <laughs> totally. Almost every time I'm turning to my wife, I'm like, can you picture him as Wolverine? Like, can you picture him, you know, kind of roughed up a little bit, get some facial hair on him, I, a cigar in his mouth. I feel like he is, you know, he's putting on that muscle to, to, yeah. to 
you know, I mean, I, I do think that there probably have been some talks. I think it might be even down to him and another actor or, you know, maybe just a few actors that they're looking at. And I think he's definitely in the discussion. I just and I like him. But, man, I just don't know if I like him as Wolverine. I, I'd have to see it. You know, I'd have to see it. It's ah, man, it's it's. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm sure we'll get into it more in the, in the Blackbird review later, but yeah. um, I don't know if you guys saw episode three of that. Yes. But but there was a scene in episode three where I was like, you know, I think I could see this guy doing Wolverine. Okay. And All after right. What he just did right here. I was like, I think I could buy that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just, damn. I still have, I, I still have even the complaints of, uh, um, as much as I liked him, Robert Pattinson and his Batman, I just wish that he would have put more focus into like his, his training and, and, and his physique. I, I think he is the least impressive physically of any Batman that we've seen <laughs> other than truth, Adam West. <laughs> I mean, but even Adam West had like that tall stature, like, it, yeah. it, you know, even Michael Keaton, I think, put in the work. He looked, you know, he was a physical presence in Batman. It's just, I think, I think Robert Pattinson, yeah, put some more focus on that. I wonder if you will try to bulk up a little bit before the sequel. I fucking hope so, man. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, because it kind of made sense for where he was at in his career as Batman in the first movie. But it's like if he's going to take this philosophy of no, nah, no, nah, this is just not the actor I am. I'm not going to get big and beefy for a role. Then hmm, it's be interesting. Be, that Batman's going to be doing a lot of swimming, Joe. So I think he's going to lean <laughs> down more, actually. He needs to get on the fucking same roids that Hugh Jackman and Hemsworth are on. Like, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, go work out with Hemsworth because that guy—he <laughs> looks like a living god. Oh my, holy shit! Uh, so, some of that's some of that's genetics, and some of it's probably liquid anavar. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> do you guys really think of Bruce Wayne being that jacked? Like those characters? Um, I think of him being. I think. He's going to have some muscular definition, a hundred percent. Jake, like there was no, there were like, like he didn't really have the abs going on. There was, I mean, there was no vascularity. You think a, a guy that goes through the intense training of a Bruce Wayne is going to have that physique? Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, I don't expect him to look like Jackman or Cavill. But I do expect him to have more of a Christian Bale type of Batman physique. Yes, 100%. Okay. Just, just to be able to pull off the, the physical things that Batman does, you know, you would have to be in tremendous shape to be able to do that. Like swinging around on a line, you know, pulling your, walking yourself hand over hand up a building, doing stuff where, you know, if you're holding a, another grown man up and you're lifting them up off the ground, you've got to be in really good shape to do that. Like you could be tossing around kettlebells and shit like that yeah. in free time. Yeah, you know, I agree. You're just not going to get the strength to be able to do that sort of stuff or to be able to like fighting. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight or, or like gone ham on like a punching bag or something like that, but it is hella exhausting. Oh, and God. So yeah. Like, yeah, so I mean, Bruce Wayne would have to be in incredible shape to not actually have superpowers to be able to keep up this pace and do all this stuff night after night. And I've been. So I've been I'm not saying he needs to be as big as he is in some of the comics where no. he's like the same size as Superman, because that's almost not practical. Where it's like, well, if you get so big and muscular, you're not going to be able to do this shit of hanging off the sides of buildings like what Batman does. I, you know, I did like the size of Affleck in the. In his in in his uh, appearances as Batman, I I like <laughs> I like that. Yeah, he, he did. Great, he did look suit. good. 
You know, Vainy Batman is Brian's favorite Batman. Who's that? Vainy Batman is your favorite Batman. Yeah, I wouldn't put it that way, but sure, Billy. <laughs> Not in a million years would I ever say Vainy Batman is my favorite Batman, but okay, we'll roll with that. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, how many things in life do you describe as veiny? My penis. <laughs> like, I was going to say hard dicks. Uh. <laughs> was that, was that a callback to the uh, Johnny Storm talk with the veiny Batman? It would be the first thing that he called back that our audience was privy to. Jake, I would hope. <laughs> Are you still holding on to the group chat? Uh, hey, you know what? At least at least our audience knows that I was giving you I was giving you digs on that bullshit. Uh, there, uh, laying so, the groundwork. Oh my god! Anyway, You're, yeah, I think he, he can't get over it, Jake. He can't get over it. Yeah, that's why he tried to make this a video podcast when he started because he was going to try to signal people to help him. <laughs> there was this, there was an Easter egg in the background. Yeah, and I finished. Uh, Finished the season of the boys with the the finale um, that we had last week, and my God, what a what a tremendous season! I I think every season just gets better. This was probably my favorite season of the boys. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it it every season has been better than the last, and this season was it was just perfect. Yeah, fantastic. So God, I just was not expecting. I was not expecting half of the surprises that we got this season, and Anthony Starr was just tremendous. I did like Jensen Eccles, and there, you know, there were some articles that maybe we might see. I don't know if you guys read this, but there's like, you know, like, you know, maybe we'll get to see uh, more of that uh, of that character in future seasons. So, super I excited! Hope so. Yeah, they've been pretty forthright about which characters would come back and not come back. I'm kind of curious your guys' opinion. How long do you think? that show is going to run i mean i know it's a huge huge hit for amazon but i mean realistically how long do you think they can keep that show going before they kind of start to lose actors or it just becomes too expensive to produce i think that they will go past the source material oh without it i mean right now they're they're so far out on their own that it's it's at this point the source material is just easter eggs you know i i really don't see them following actual storylines from the comics because they really haven't done any of it so far and this is really one of those instances of a show being insanely successful because they're not sticking to the source material but they're honoring the source material in in such a perfect way um in fact if they do follow through and do the same ending as the comic book i would be really disappointed i'm saying we could probably go six seasons That'd be awesome. Yeah, six feels like a safe bet. I, I think if you definitely if you're getting up into ten, like you've you've gone too far. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about some other boys' news in our news segment, but let's talk about some of the things that we watched this week. Uh, first uh, up is uh, Moonhaven on AMC Plus. It focuses on Bella Sway, a lunar cargo pilot and smuggler. 100 years in the future who finds herself accused of a crime and marooned on Moonhaven, a utopian community set on a 500 square mile Garden of Eden built on the moon to find solutions to the problems that will soon end civilization on Mother Earth. A skeptic in paradise, Bella is sucked into a conspiracy to gain control of the artificial intelligence responsible 
for Moonhaven's miracles and teams with a local detective to stop the forces that want to destroy Earth's last hope before they are destroyed themselves. And, uh, you know, we've got, we've got Dominic Monaghan, uh, from, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, in here. He plays one of the detectives, Paul Cerno. And then we've got uh, Kadeem Hardison, uh, Dwayne Wade from, uh, A Different World is in this. Uh, he plays the other detective, Arlo Noon. Um, and then, uh, and then Emma McDonald plays Bella Sway. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this isn't, I guess, I, th- this didn't feel like an AMC Plus show to me. It felt like it's, felt like it was meant for the sci-fi network. Um, just very out of left field for an AMC Plus show, but I guess they're dipping their hands into a little bit more of high concept science fiction here. Um, and, yeah, this is an interesting, it's a lot of world building here. I mean, you've got this, uh, utopia that's built on the moon. There's this artificial intelligence that called IO that is basically monitoring everyone and it's there to find out the solutions on the, on earth, which is, which is doomed. And, and, um, then their whole civilization on the moon is completely different than the one on earth. Like ours is, you know, people, uh, people on Earth, you know, we're at war, uh, resources are limited, and, and the people that are, that have been raised, uh, on the moon are, they're just different. They have different customs. They, I mean, we see them like in grassy fields and doing dances, and it's very zen, and nobody wants to be upset if there's like a death or of someone close to you, and, and in this case, there's a murder, um, there's this drug that you can take called the bright that basically softens the memory of the person that died. And like, they don't even know what the word sad is because the one woman that is getting ready to take this drug called the bright, she's like, so I'm not going to have any, so there'll be no more tear taste, no, no chest dark. Like she can't even say the word sad. It's like not even their vocabulary. It was a really weird, like, terminology that she used no tear taste no chest dark um and then you don't have traditional families on the moon it's like everyone raises all these kids so like kids are taken away from their mothers and fathers and everyone else in the community raises these kids so there's like no real siblings no real mothers and fathers raising their kids it's like a fucking community co-op for raising children it's wild like she had a what was it like a spiritual sister um, so she didn't even know her real sister here. And it is, it is just, it is a, a very, uh, different show. Um, different science fiction setup here. And, uh, I'm going to give it a taste it. it, it it's, I, and I, I, I think it's, you know, I watched the first two episodes. I know, I think, believe the third episode's out. I don't think it's something I'm going to stick with, but I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Oh, and Joe Manganiello is in this show, which surprised me. And he's not playing. He's definitely not playing kind of like a character that I think he would be playing. Um, But anyway, uh, Jake, what did you think about Moonhaven? Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a, a middle of the road taste it for me as well. Um, I watched the first two episodes. Um, yeah, it's just so much world building and none of it is in like particularly bad. 
Like, there's nothing I, I absolutely dislike about this show, but I really just haven't been drawn into any of the characters or like any rooting interest for what's going on. Um, I think the stuff about how people live on the moon a certain way and then what's going on earth compared to that is probably the most fascinating thing about the show to me. And like the more of that we can get to collide together, which is obviously what's going to happen. I think the better off this show will be. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fine cast, fine acting. Um, I thought that special effects looked great, but just nothing about this really like grabbed me into it at all. I thought the maybe I'm wrong here, but like okay, the the cargo pilot Bella, like some of the decisions that they made for her character just seemed a little off for like what they kind of like hired her for. She's supposed I, to. Be- I agree with that. I some of it seems so circumstantial that I thought maybe there was like a plot point that hadn't been revealed yet. Well, they they made it sound like she was like the only pilot that they could get to do this. But on the flip side, it feels like she's very, you know, she was in the military and this this cargo pilot and she's like done all this shit. But like when we're introduced to her, she seems kind of like reckless and almost not even mature enough to be doing this. And then it was out. It felt out of character when she's landing on the moon and she starts playing this like romance romantic french music which just felt very weird like where is this character trait coming from it's like we have no i have no can are we ever are they ever gonna like explain that like why why does she play that music like what does that have to do with her characters like is that song something from her childhood or i don't it, it's, like, it's like a cheap way to show that she has all these different layers just that yeah plot point yeah yeah is there gonna be any payoff for that because it just it felt very out of character from like what we're actually getting from the character in the show so i did think the cops were probably the best characters as well like yeah just the idea of being a cop in this in this world where there's really hardly anything to police. And even when there is, you can pretty much because of IO, you can just nail it down exactly who did what, when, right. So their, their job is pretty much just to hand out these pills that you talked about and, you know, write down what happened and then move on to the next thing. And, uh, I think the, the main cop that's played by, um, the guy from lost Charlie from lost, uh, Dominic Mohagen is probably the best character in the show or the most interesting. Yeah. I think that definitely there's going to be like a split between him and, uh, Kadeem Hardison's detective character, because I think Dominic is going to start realizing that, you know, this utopia that they have is like, it's not the best. I mean, cause like you look at, yeah. you, I mean, suppressing people's emotions by taking this drug, that's not real. There's no real growth there. I understand like what's going on earth is like terrible and they don't want people to like live that way, but taking away people's right to feel, um, and using a drug to just wash away, you know, like how someone's emotions, uh, cause like she's thinking about like her murdered spiritual sister that she like you know, was raised with now after she takes the bright and she can't stop from laughing. And it's like that there's something wrong there. Yeah. The, the sadness to those like critical events that happen in your life kind of are what cement it as real and love. And it does feel a little bit like you're cutting a cord. 
by Wa- taking that part away. WandaVision taught us that, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think you're absolutely right about Paul. I, I think he already even believes that, mm-hmm. that there's, you know, he just hasn't verbally stated it to the audience yet. But I, he's an intelligent enough character that he's already kind of catching on, I think. What's crazy is like, we're talking about this and it's like, it, it, we seem like we're very interested, but both of us are kind of like, are, don't seem like we're going to stick with the show. <laughs> you know? I can't, I can't imagine I'm going to watch another episode of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Billy, what did you think of uh, Moonhaven? Kind of right along the lines of you guys. I'm on even more of the lower taste. It, it, it's not that it's outwardly bad show, but it's the characters to me really. I'm not invested in anyone. No one's really even super intriguing me where I want to know more about the backstory or even want to get to know the motivations. And I think it's kind of similar because we have shows, you know, we have like foundation or for all mankind, there are a lot of space colonization. A lot of that stuff is out there. And so I think it's kind of just inevitable that you kind of compare it to it. And I just, like you said, if I kind of always in my head, I'm going to say to myself, am I, do I see myself investing more time in this show to see if it gets any better? And that's, you know, the answer was a quick no for me. So um, visually, uh, nothing really crazy to complain about. I think they, they put a decent budget into, you know, looking into it and trying to establish a look to the world and to, like I said, to like the moon and all that kind of stuff. But, um, overall, unless you're just a big sci-fi junkie who has to absorb anything like that, um, I, I said, I'd go really like a low taste it. Yeah, the visual of the moon where they're, they're traveling to the moon and you see like, you know, the moon, but then there's like this one green patch on the moon. It's like, that's where they've settled. That's where the civilization is. It was a really cool visual. And then there's a scene in the first episode where Bella chases a child out of the, the fence. There's a fence, um, and you're not supposed to go past it. She chases a child through the fence and like, She's past where, like, there's actual, like, oxygen and then the gravity starts to change and you see a dog had followed this child, too, ran after this kid. And the dog is jumping very high because the gravity has changed. And it was just like, that was a wild scene. Like, I thought it was very cool looking. But, um, yeah, Joe, what did you think about Moonhaven? This is also a middle-of-the-road taste-it for me. Uh, I, I thought the show was interesting enough, but I don't really see myself carrying on with it as like a, a week-to-week watch. Uh, I do love Don, uh, Dominic Monaghan's performance in it. Uh, I was a huge fan of him, him from the Lord of the Ring movies and from Lost. And so really exciting to see him doing some stuff and, and to, to see that kind of, so far he really has the meatiest role in this. Uh, it's it's definitely a weird concept. The The whole first episode of this is is very dull. Lots of world building. The second episode, I feel like, uh, gets a little bit more exciting. I watched the third episode as well, and it's kind of setting up with, um, you know, this, this, this Earther working with, with, uh, Dominic Monaghan's character to, to kind of investigate and find out what's going on. Cause there is some sort of conspiracy afoot. Um, this, this project was for these people to go and live on the moon for three generations. And then after three generations have lived there, to kind of come back to Earth with the lessons and technology and, and teach the people of Earth. But it, it feels like there's, you know, a, a people on Earth that are very resistant to this idea of these people from the moon coming back and telling them how they're going to live differently. And it feels like there's also people that are on the moon that feel like we have no business going back to Earth. They're not going to accept us. And so there's lots of 
lots of political intrigue going on with this at the same time with all the different world building and then also digging into to Bella's past. Um, and, you know, Joe, Joe Manganiello's character, and this is really interesting as well. Um, in, in at the end of episode three, it seems like he's his character is going to be coming back into it more. So part of me wants to watch episode four just to see what's going to happen. But the other part of me is kind of ambivalent enough to where I feel like if you know, it's, it's, it's not a homework assignment for me to watch it. Am I going to keep watching it? Did it hook me that much? And so at the end of the day, this is just a, a taste it for me, you know, it was something good to watch to, to kind of pass the time, but I don't see myself explicitly seeking it out. Um, yeah. I think that's a good rule. You watch three episodes and you're kind of like, you're not hooked yet. And I think that's a safe place to get out if it's just not your thing. And that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at after two. Yeah, so. I, I did like how the resources are a little bit different on the moon. And so a lot of their technology is based around wood, which I thought was pretty interesting. I've never really seen that in anything else. Usually it's like if you get a high tech enough civilization to where it's like you're building a colony on the moon, you wouldn't be thinking that then they're building high tech stuff out of wood. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting take. But yeah, yeah. Yep, that is uh, Moonhaven on AMC+. Plus. Uh, yeah, if you have AMC+, Plus, check it out. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is The Deer King. It's a, It was a theatrical release. It's an anime film. And I think it did open nationwide on the 15th, so it might be playing at select theaters. In the aftermath of a brutal war, former soldier Van toils in a mine controlled by the ruling empire. One day, his solitary existence is upended when a pack of wild dogs carrying a deadly and incurable disease attack, leaving only Van and a young girl named Yuna as survivors. Finally free, the pair seek out a simple existence in the countryside, but are pursued by nefarious forces. Intent on protecting Yuna at all costs, Van must uncover the true cause of the plague, ravaging the kingdom and its possible cure. Uh, the Deer King is a fantasy epic that marks the directing debut of Masashi Ando, whose work on such landmark films as Spirited Away, Paprika, and Your Name helped shape the world of modern animation. And it's originally a Japanese novel series written by Nahoko Uhashi. And, uh, yeah, Jake, we saw this in the theater. Joe, you got a chance to see this as well? I did. Um, I liked it. I want you guys to kind of like, you know, tell me a little bit more, you know, kind of dive into the story but a little bit more if you want to. But I, I liked it. I felt like there was a lot of like buildup, though, and a lot of buildup and a lot of story. But I don't feel like the third act paid it off well. So I'm going to give this one. I, I'm going to give this one a middle of the road. Taste it. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm right there with you again with the middle of the road taste it. I thought on an animation level, this this was gorgeous. I anytime I get to see hand mostly hand drawn animation like this on the big screen, I'm pretty blown away by that part. It's hard to fuck that part up. But yeah, on a story level, I just thought this was so just kind of vanilla, been there, done that, nothing too original. Just a lot of concepts that I've seen in other movies and TV shows before this kind of, you know, what's that comic book that Mando and the child were kind of based off of? It had a lot of I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Well, the um, movie, the uh, Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, well, it had a lot of Lone Wolf and yes. Cub vibes to it, like very much so. And it's I've just seen that kind of thing so recently, like in Mando and done better in other places that 
I don't know. I was a little bit bored by that. I agree that the way they ended all that stuff wasn't all that fantastic in the third act. Um, big stuff happens, and I don't think it was necessarily earned, some of the stuff that happened at the end. But, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of hand-drawn animation on the big screen, I, I think this is a must-see, even with kind of a blasé storyline. Yeah. What would you think, Joe? This was the first time I've ever seen an anime in the cinema. And I didn't watch a trailer or anything for this going in. And so I went in not knowing at all what I was going to expect. And there was only one other person in the auditorium with me. So it was it was a pretty cool experience watching it. And um, like like you guys said, this movie looks absolutely fantastic. Like I, I really, really loved the animation style. Um, but yeah, the, the story was a little bit lacking. And especially in the third act, I just expected something more anime like something more epic to happen and it was the way it was resolved i was like okay i i kind of see how this is this works for this kind of story and and i accepted it but i did walk away wishing that the end of it would have just been more exciting uh so yeah it was just to taste it for me as well um would really love to see more movies that look like this and um yeah yeah i, I I don't know. I, it, it made me want to jump back in. Like I was immediately looking up to see, like, did I already miss when they're going to show Princess Mononoke in, in the theater this year? And I did. They did it in the spring. <laughs> so I, I think I'll have to settle for just watching that one at home. But it, it made me want to go back and like pay more attention to when there's certain animes that replay in the theater so I can go and have that experience again and see it on a big screen because that did make this one. Um, like kind of more cool for me is th- I'm just so used to just seeing these things either, you know, like on my phone or on a TV screen or something like that. I've never seen it on such a big screen. And that did make this one that much more of a special viewing experience. Yeah. There's nothing like, cause I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I, I've been over the past few years, very new to like the Ghibli stuff. And so like seeing that in the theater, I, I would go to like Ghibli fest and they had, um, I've seen Princess Mononoke in the theater, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, My Neighbor Totoro, uh, Ponyo, Porco Rosso, um, a lot of them. I've seen a lot of them in the theater, and it's it's just amazing. I, I love getting a chance to see these animes like for the first time in the theater. It's a lot of fun. And this was very much trying to be like Ghibli. Yes, it, it, uh-huh. absolutely. Uh-huh. It just didn't have, I don't know, it's like, it just didn't have that magic of those movies. Um, it was no, it, it didn't carry any of that weight that yeah. like really emotionally moves you like like those movies usually do. This one just didn't do that. You could see that it wanted to and it was trying to. I just felt like it didn't it didn't have enough to really move me. You know <sighs> that second act really meandered <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sure did. This is probably I, the worst of the brand new animes we've seen in the theater over the last couple of years, I, I would say. I mean, still a good time. But. Yeah. I yeah. loved the concept of them riding those big deer, though. That just looked so cool. Oh, the animals looked amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And uh, some of the – like the the whole uh, – the wolves that were like infected, like that 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 infection kind of look or whatever that they had looked really awesome. You know, it was animated very well, but uh, let's talk about music an- was really damn cool in this too. I thought, yeah. Let's talk about another animated movie. This one dropped on Netflix, uh, The Sea Beast. Uh, it's an animated feature from the filmmaker 
from Moana and Big Hero 6. A young girl stows away on the ship of a legendary sea monster hunter, turning his life upside down as they venture into uncharted waters. It's directed by Chris Williams, who co-wrote the screenplay with Nell Benjamin. Uh, it stars the voices of Carl Urban. Uh, Zaret, and he's a, he's a monster hunter in this. Um, Zaris Angel Hater. Jared Harris. Uh, Dan Stevens from Legion. And Marianne John Baptiste. And, um, yeah, this dropped on Netflix. So basically, you've got a world here where there are these giant sea monsters, and you've got uh, these um, sea monster hunters that go out there and kill these things, bring the bones back, and show them to the king and queen of the kingdom. And uh, the king and queen of the queen of the, the king and queen of the kingdom, they uh, they're going to drop these monster hunters, and they are going to have like their own navy in this gigantic ship with cannons. Go ahead and take out the final sea beast that they want. What would they call it? like the the what do they call it? Red? What do they call that fucking big? Uh, started with a T. Red. Yeah, there you go, Red Buster. Yeah, Buster. take out the Buster. Red Buster because like he was supposed to. They were supposed to get him, and they came back, and they they had taken out another sea creature, but the boats banged up. They didn't get the takeout. Was it Red Buster? Red Bluster. 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 The, the Red Bluster. And so they're gonna. <laughs> they, they've got their own navy that they're gonna use to take him out. What are you fucking laughing at? I, I laughed at <laughs> Joe's laugh. I'm sorry. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I fucked it up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we fucked it up too. I think we were laughing because we led you to fuck up there. Yeah, the, the, the red blister? What is it? That? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch where you get those. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I, I like this one. Uh, I'll give it. I, I did. I like this one. Uh, I thought Carl Urban was fucking great um i think the little girl drove me nuts at times my biggest problem with this is like they have this connection between the little girl and the the red bluster here and uh i don't understand where that connection came from like why they were so connected to one another and had like this uh this connection to where she was able to kind of like tell the 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 red bluster what to do and and uh kind of like yeah, they, uh, tame they really the beast or that well, and, and and just making this guy. This guy has been a, a monster hunter, you know, his entire life. And then this girl is just getting into it, and it's like this little girl makes him look stupid when all the time. It's just like in these movies, there's just like, yes, adults are dumb. You know, <laughs> I think sometimes it drives me nuts. I, I get it; they're targeted towards kids, but sometimes it's just like it's just like it's overt. Like, yeah, adults are dumb. And kid, this kid has a magical touch with the with the red dragon here. This, but I like that's the one thing I didn't kind of like like about this was I never understood the connection she had with the with the sea beast. But um, I liked it enough. I'll give it a high taste. And I thought it was a cute movie. And um, uh, I I I actually got, I like this one more than Lightyear to be honest with you. So um, I just I like the setting and everything, but. It's a high taste. It, uh, Joe. What did you think of uh, the Sea Beast? The, this one was also a high taste for me. I was very excited to see Carl Urban uh, it, as one of the cast members on this. And there was shades of his butcher that would come through with certain words he would say, and so then I'd be perking up and be like, "Call the Red Bluster a cunt. Call it a cunt." <laughs> <laughs> um, 
th- this movie does get a little bit preachy towards the end, but I feel like this is a great movie for for little kids. Um, and really, right along the lines of what you were saying, this is one of those movies where all the adults in it are either you know just very angry, stupid, or you know like borderline like criminal. And you know the little girl is is the voice of reason throughout this whole thing. It is too bad that it, they don't explore this connection between the girl and the red bluster mm-hmm. at all. It's just all of a sudden it just happens. This girl is just able to to understand that the, the, this creature, you know, this isn't a monster. It looks like a monster. Everybody thinks that it's the worst monster in the ocean, but but it's really not. And that's not explored at all. Uh, one of the things I really loved about this movie is is just how good the animation looked. I, I felt like it. Uh, like all the different uh, sea creatures they did, even when it came down to like close-ups of the red bluster skin and the texture and stuff on it, I thought it just looked really good. Um, I loved Jared Harris uh, doing the captain of uh, the voice of the the captain of the ship, like the old grizzled hunter that's you know really kind of playing that Captain Ahab character. That you know the red bluster is his white whale that that he's totally obsessed with with going after above all things. And and just a huge fan of Jared Harris, especially if you're putting him as the captain of a ship. Like I, I, I loved his performance in in AMC's the the Terror series, and and so to see him, you know, kind of by behind the helm of a ship again, even in an animated form, I was I was pretty delighted about that. I tried to get my kids to watch this with me. Uh, Aiden only stuck it out for about half of it, so uh, didn't work for them. But but for me, I thought it was a good enough movie. It was. You know, absolutely a high taste. It, but the the story just wasn't there enough to to push it into that Tupperware, um, you know, heights for me. Yeah, yeah, Billy, what'd you think? I I enjoyed it. I have it as a taste. It. Um, I thought the set pieces were great. The action was awesome. I thought you know it was actually pretty damn violent. There was chopping off limbs, and pretty sure a lot of the pirates died at points and. They even, like you see, we're talking about that pirate ship. It makes the one from Pirates of the Caribbean look like a tiny little thing. The one that the Navy had with the, the 700 cannons on the side of the it. The little girl was bleeding. We saw blood, right? At yeah, one point. and I was surprised. You said even when they were there was the kind of the sea monster in the opening set piece. Now, I know they get away with it if it's not red blood. But, I mean, they were gushing blood every time they sliced an arm off. I, like, I was like, wow, this is this is more of a adult movie almost in, in a sense in a lot of the ways um it's funny you guys talk about the little girl my literal note here in my notebook says the most articulate orphan like it's just you know i don't want to spoil anything but there's definitely a scene towards the end of the movie where it's like man where did she learn this like political discourse and she is a very well spoken and it, it does like you guys say kind of uh leans into the preachiness a little bit and it was interesting you said, Joe, that like your kids tapped out, say, halfway through. My other note was it's definitely – it seems like maybe a bit long, this movie. So I thought maybe they could have easily cut maybe 20 minutes out of it. The middle section where they're kind of going from the init- that island to kind of the final area for the set, there was almost like 40-something minutes in between there for their journey, which I don't think they needed that much time for. Um, but overall, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed it more than not. And like I said, so it's like a solid taste it for me. And Jake, what did you think? Yeah, I, I hated this movie. This was a toss it for me. Um, I'm right there. My first note was 20 to 30 minutes too long. 
Um, I just thought all the characters were super predictable. The the kid was super annoying. The the captain just did exactly what you thought he was going to do. Um, I thought I really hated the creature design in this movie too. I thought it like, I don't know. Everything looked like it was from some Nickelodeon eight year old cartoon. Like the animation itself was fine, but the actual thought into the creature design, I thought was just not good at all. Um, I hated the blue thing that was like the cute character of the, of the movie. That part was really intolerable to me. Um, yeah, I I saw the trailer for this, thought it looked really good, and was mostly just bored the entire time while watching this. But the best part was the opening 15 minutes with the uh, ship being stormed by the sea creature and the way they shot some of those action sequences. And then after that, it was just a slog. Guess we're kind of all over the place with this one. I, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it enough. I, I guess I just like the whole, it felt a little bit more adult and, uh, you got, uh, the sea, sea creatures and I thought Carl Urban was fantastic. And so, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys found something to enjoy. I, I don't know. Maybe I just had too high of expectations, but yeah, I thought the, the story was okay enough, but just been there, done that. And the creatures were just, neither scary or exciting looking to me i I, ugh, I hated it so that is the sea beast on netflix uh let's move on to uh blackbird on apple tv plus and um now this is the taron egerton series on apple tv plus uh it's inspired by actual events uh when high school football hero and decorated policeman's son jimmy keen Played by Taron Egerton, is sentenced to 10 years in a minimum security prison. He is given the choice of a lifetime. Enter a maximum security prison for the criminally insane and befriend suspected kill, uh, serial killer Larry Hall, played by Paul Walter Hauser, or stay where he is and serve his full sentence with no possibility of parole. Uh, Keen quickly realizes his only way out is to elicit a confession and find out where the bodies of several young girls are buried before Hall's appeal goes through. But is this suspected killer telling the truth, or is it just another tale from a serial liar? This dramatic and captivating story subverts the crime genre by enlisting the help of the very people put behind bars to solve its mysteries. Uh, it's developed by uh, Dennis Lehane, based on the 2010 autobiographical novel in uh, called In With the Devil, A Fallen Hero, A Serial Killer, and A Dangerous Bargain for Redemption by James Keane and Hill Eleven. And um, it's a six-episode miniseries. I'm through the first three, and... Yeah, I mean, this guy was going to spend 120 months without parole. He thought he was only going to get uh, um, five years and be released after four with good behavior. That is not what happened. Um, he's given this chance to go in, in, in a much more dangerous pris prison and try and befriend this guy who these detectives believe could be this serial killer that's gone around killing young girls and he's basically confessed to uh, uh, uh to most of these murders but nobody believes him they just believe he's like a serial liar um another interesting like thing about this ser possible serial killer is that he's got a twin brother and i guess like during child like during while he was in the womb his his twin brother was feeding off of him 
And when he was born, like when they were born, like the brother got like all the all the brains and the physical strength and, and he basically got what was left over. It reminded me of like Danny DeVito and Schwarzenegger. <laughs> um, and you don't get into them meeting until the third episode. So like the first two episodes are a lot of setup. I felt like the first episode felt very cinematic, like this could be a movie. And then I was really surprised when Ray Liotta shows up as the father. And um, I love seeing Ray Liotta, you know, R.I.P. Ray Liotta. I love seeing him in this. Um, I want to hear what you guys think about this. I'm at a Tupperware. I love this. I, I can't wait to watch the, the next three episodes. Like, you know, I we, the two episodes were released last week. And, and same goes for Moonhaven, which released two episodes. I didn't bother to go back and watch the third. But this, I had to watch the third episode of this one. I think um, Paul Walter Hauser as this serial killer is fucking putting on a really amazing performance here. Like it reminds me of like some of the performances that we've seen in like mind Hunter. He's doing such a great job of uh, portraying Larry Paul, uh, Larry Hall here. And um, man, there's a disturbing discussion between the two main characters in the third episode. I don't know if anybody else has made it to the third episode, but just a really disturbing conversation between the two. I don't even know if I want to get into it. It's so fucking disturbing, but Billy, what did you think about Blackbird? How many episodes did you watch? So I'm through two. It was the last thing I watched before we're recording. So I'm definitely going to watch episode three tonight. Total Tupperware for me. I loved it. I thought all the acting was amazing as well. I love this stuff too. I love any of these kind of crime mystery where, you know, it's the, where he goes to the town where the, murder from Larry's from and they're very overprotective and all have an explanation for how he is and he's harmless and then like you said then it's the brother and the mom now it's and then it's the appeal court type of things they get into and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing like if what else I have a feeling there's more to it you know there's more to just him is he making it up or did it happen it seems like there is even more involved more layers to it and like you said it just made you want to keep watching and i was upset when i was like man i'm not gonna have enough time to finish the final episode before we record and that's definitely a good sign and so it's a total tupperware for me and i'm glad that it has a defined length um and it maybe gives me my only bit of trepidation, like you said, Bri, because it's like so much set up to just get to the first interaction in episode three, which I haven't even seen yet. Are they going to be able to round this story out, you know, for, to give us a kind of a uh, satisfying feeling at the end with only three more to go? I have faith in it because I've loved it so far, but um, that's maybe my only small trepidation in the back of my head. Yeah, getting to that third episode this Friday was like imperative for me because it's like it's the first two – like they're in the prison together now. I want to see these two interact and like it didn't let me down. Like those two are putting on a clinic. Like the scene of them talking together while Larry uh, Larry Hall, Paul Walter Hauser's character is like going to like his – he's got his own job there in the prison and like they have like this – really disturbing fucking discussion but like that's what he has to do to get to the to the root to find out like where these bodies are 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 buried like if he can find out where these bodies are buried he's out of jail immediately and he wants to get out because his father has recently had a stroke and it was like brought on because of his son going into prison 
and his father's health is failing him and he wants to get out and spend the, the remaining years that his father has left. Um, and then I will also say in the third episode, they, um, they, uh, they, they had a in memoriam for, for, um, Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Did you know, um, uh, Goodfellas, uh, they're doing flashback cinema. If you have flashback cinema at your theater, uh, it's where on Sundays and Wednesdays they play like older movies. Um, like a lot of times they'll play like Harry Potter, Indiana, Indiana Jones. But on the 24th, uh, Goodfellas is going to be part of uh, Flashback Cinema. So I'm really wanting to make it out on that Sunday and uh, watch Goodfellas on the big screen. So be very cool. But uh, Joe, what did you think about Blackbird? Yeah, I've seen the first three episodes as well on this, and this is an absolute Tupperware. This show has got me on the edge of my seat. It is, it is in- incredibly dramatic. And there are, dude, you're not kidding. That that scene in the boiler room with the two main characters talking in episode three, like it, it almost like terrifies me of what other conversations we're going to start seeing between these two. And Paul Walter Hauser is up until in the first two episodes, he's like quirky and weird. And he's kind of got this this high pitched voice and he is a very weird dude, but he's also very intelligent. You can tell like he's very mechanically competent. And this show goes on to tell you that this person is like has the perfect skill set to be killing and disposing of bodies in such a way to not get caught. Yeah. When he was a kid, he was a grave digger with his parents. So he knows, you know, he knows how to dig a grave. Uh, now he's a janitor. That he's constantly got, you know, professional cleaning solvents in his van. He knows he's a professional cleaner and, and he's also really, really into vans. And so he's got all these different vans that he owns. He's, and he's also into doing like civil war and revolutionary war reenactments. So he's constantly just driving hundreds of miles all over the Midwest. And he's a quirky character in those first two episodes. But man, when you get to this conversation, and you really start to see the person that he really is. He starts to drop that mask and, and show um, uh, uh, Jimmy Kane's or um, Jimmy Keen, the, the main character that Taron Egerton is playing, st- drops that mask and, and, and shares a personal revelation about, I guess you could call it the relationships that he's been in. And it's it's horrifying. Dude, it was chilling, dude. And you could tell that Jimmy was shook and you could tell he was shook later when he was talking to like the uh, the female FBI agent. Yes, absolutely. Like he was like, no, this is our guy. Like, (laughs) like, without a doubt, this is the guy who did it. Like, you didn't just hear what the fuck this guy told me. Like, if you thought like his like him talking about his dreams was disturbing. Wait until you get to episode three and he's talking to. To Jimmy. Oh, my God, dude. I was just like, I was, was horrified. It was fucking like, horrifying, dude. Yeah. It, it, in just the casual way that he's saying it. And, and you're right. These two actors are putting on a clinic because not only is this guy being just absolutely chilling, saying this with the different different mannerisms he puts in and how sometimes he'll just kind of stare off into space and then almost kind of talk to himself a little bit like he's absolutely convincing that he's out of his mind but watching taron egerton have to react to all that to where you can tell that it's scaring him it's revolting him but it's also like stealing his resolve 
that it's like this gamble that he's taking to try and get this, win this guy's trust enough to where this guy's going to tell him where bodies are buried just so that he can get out of prison earlier. It's like, wow, what, what a compelling situation. And also some of the other turns that, that happens in, in episode three, where you can, the stakes get raised with, with him being in prison and you start to worry about his safety from other angles. Oh God, uh, This is yes. an absolutely compelling show. And I don't know about you, but I've been resisting the urge to kind of deep dive into this book that, that uh, James Keene is one of the executive producers on this as well. And so I've been resisting the urge to dive into podcasts or, or articles or anything that discuss the book just because I don't want to get the show spoiled for me. But also there's a part of me that it's like, Maybe I'll sleep a little bit better at night on the week-to-week watch of this, knowing what eventually happens to this very scary character. Yeah, I'm staying away because, like, this show has got me on the edge of my fucking seat, dude. It's- <laughs> Same. I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet because I, I think I'm choosing to to let this this show tell me the story instead because they're doing such a good job. Yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah, I mean, it's very disturbing. Anything in this is very disturbing, but it's like the... I mean, the production, the acting, and uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing what they're being able to do here. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Jake, what did you think about Blackbird? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. This show is fucking fantastic. It's an absolute Tupperware. Um, I have not seen episode three yet. Um, I was already on the edge of my seat to see it, but just haven't had the time. But now, like, kind of hearing the what we're going to get that episode, I, I, can't fucking wait i i found it impossible to not watch the second episode after watching the first episode just the way they left you off there i was so invested into the story already that it yes. was just like an inst- instant play next like, yes I, I haven't felt that way in a long time like it was such a great indie and it built up so much anticipation and when i realized that it wasn't one of those shows where i couldn't just watch the next episode because i definitely had time to watch episode three you know on tuesday but it just wasn't there. And then ah, I came out on Friday. So I just have to wait and wait and wait. But, oh, man, I you guys said so much already. I, I also love Greg Kinnear's character. I thought yes. he was fantastic. It's great to see him in something good because I, I love him. And the last thing he was in was in that shitty ass Courtney Cox vehicle that they had going on. Yeah. Yeah. That was just such a waste of such a talent. So it's so great to see him kind of bounce back from that. And beyond this really killer Apple TV Plus ensemble. Um, yeah, man, I can't fucking wait for this third episode and this conversation and this confrontation because, yeah, like I haven't looked into the case either. And it's, you know, you don't 100% even know if what the police suspect is the truth. So it definitely sounds like that's all going to get confirmed in the third episode. You got to watch that. The third episode is phenomenal. I love, uh, yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned Greg Kinnear. I love him so much. I love Greg Kinnear. I've been a fan of him since, remember when he took over for Bob Costas on Later? Oh, for sure. Dude, yeah. he, he slid in there and he was fucking awesome. Um, have you ever seen his movie Flash of Genius? I don't think I have. He plays Robert no. Kearns and he's the guy who invented the windshield wiper. Oh, that's interesting. I always the movie I always think about is Autofocus. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Where he's the uh, the guy from Hogan's Heroes and all the uh, yeah. Thomas Hayden Church is in that as well, I believe. Uh, he's a uh, guy, okay, right? No, uh, is that the one that, the guy from Hogan's Heroes that was? We don't know how he died. 
Is oh, that that's what it's called? No, 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 no. I'm asking you, is that what the story's about? I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, we don't know how he died. Yeah. It's um, a very weird way that the theories think that he died, but yeah. we don't quite know. It's never been proven. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, Greg Billy. Kinnear is uh, Atticus Finch right now on Broadway for To Kill a Mockingbird, so he's definitely doing some cool things right now. Love, I love Greg Kinnear, but yeah, Blackbird is an absolute Tupperware. Definitely watch this one. I know, like, true crime is hot right now, and you know, documentaries, podcasts. Uh, this is a scripted series, and it's uh, six episodes. Three are out. I'm telling you, um, Taron Egerton. This, I think, this is probably the best thing I've ever fucking seen him in. I was not a fan of the Kingsman movies Eas- easily. I know a lot of people love those Kingsman movies. I was not a fan. This is like this like turned me around on him big time, man. This guy is fucking phenomenal. And Paul Walter Hauser is just killing it as this as this suspected serial killer. Um man, this is a great fucking show. Blackbird on Apple TV Plus. Black, oh man, what a what a great investment fucking Apple TV Plus is for five bucks a month. <laughs> easily. Uh, the best five bucks you'll spend any month. Yeah. Easy, easy. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil, Resident Evil, uh, season one dropped on Netflix. And, uh, this is, uh, it's, uh, the main plot of this series is spread out over two points in time. It goes, bounces back from 2022 and 2036. Um, and, uh, the past plot line deals with the struggles of 14 year old half twins, Billy and Jade, the children of Dr. Albert Wesker and, uh, their lives take a dramatic turn when Albert is awarded an executive position at the struggling Umbrella Corporation that once employed him, and they move to Umbrella's planned community, uh, New Raccoon City. While there, the girls stumble onto the dark secret behind their origins and Umbrella's dark legacy, while their father coordinates a response to the outbreak of a retroviral viral weapon called T-Virus in the present uh, timeline of 2036. The T-virus has reduced human civilization to 300 million refugees living in a walled city states and other settlements surrounded by the six billion zeros who contracted. So basically the zombies who contracted the disease and became roaming gangs of cannibal mutants. The most powerful organization left on Earth is the Umbrella Corporation, backed by its military arsenal, who are conducting a global manhunt for Jade and... um Based on the video game series from Capcom, of course. But um, we got Lance Reddick in here playing um, Albert Wesker. And then uh, the two girls, uh, they've got uh, different actors playing them over, you know, the two different uh, uh, spans of time. Um, this, this is kind of like uh, people are like reviewing this all over the place. Like if you look it up on... Uh, rotten tomatoes it's not doing well with the critics or the audience but i mean i've seen a lot of people come out and saying like they love this too so it's really split i'm i i like it but i don't love it i'm like at a middle of the road taste it with this one and i don't think i'll finish i i'm, I'm through three episodes but i'm just not a you know i loved like the video games when they came out i love the first two i think the second one's my favorite um but I'm, I'm not too steeped into Resident Evil. I did watch all the other movies that came out previously, even this newest one that came out last year. I saw that in the theater. I like this enough, but not enough to keep keep with it. 
Um, and I'm not really put off by the two different storylines, to be quite honest with you. I can see a lot of people having a problem with that, bouncing back and forth between the two times. Um, I, my biggest problem is it's just not scary. I wanted it to be a little scarier. And I think they're just going for, like, big monsters sometimes. Like, oh, this one looks like a giant caterpillar, and this one looks like a fucking, you know, spider. And I did see some liquors in there, but, like, I I don't... I just haven't been scared by any of the zeros in this or anything that these characters have been put through. So um, it's going to get a middle-of-the-road taste it for me. It's 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 okay. I, I actually... Kind of like the story with the young girls a little bit more than the adult story based in 2036, but I don't know. I'm going to taste it. Um, Jake, what did you think about uh, Resident Evil? Yeah, I'm right there to taste it as well. And I I also prefer the uh, young girl storyline compared to the uh, present day storyline that's going on. It just seems a lot more interesting. Um, it's kind of been there, done that with the uh, stuff going on in the future. Um, I'm a big fan of Lance Reddick. I really do like his turn as Albert Wesker. I think he does a good job of seeming like a really nice guy, but then you can just kind of turn that switch and be an absolute monster. I think it's perfect casting for that character. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the games. I don't really care when it comes to these adaptations, how closely they follow to them. I'm right there with you. I just kind of want to be scared. Like the coolest thing, the legacy of the resident evil video games is it's the first time you actual, you actually were jump scared and scared in a video game. Like they actually pulled off a horror movie while you were playing. And it's bizarre that really none of the adaptations for either movie or now streaming have been able to replicate what the, what the game did originally. It just kind of becomes this generic zombie thing with the umbrella corporation being this evil government corporation trying to, you know, trying to help, but actually just wanting the big pharma money and fucking everything up. So yeah, I, this isn't the worst thing. This isn't the best thing. Um, if I had all the time in the world, I would go ahead and just binge and watch this through just to see how, how it ends. But yeah, I'm probably done after one episode. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's still fine after three, but it's nothing to keep me going. Uh, Joe, what did you think? Yeah, I watched two episodes of this. Um, Resident Evil's never really been an IP that I've been a, a huge fan of. I, I think I only played the first, maybe the second video game. I know for sure I had the first one on, on the original PlayStation and... You know, I, I liked it well enough. I don't even know if I ever really finished the game. Uh, I liked the first movie. I don't know if I've seen any of the other ones or not. I didn't like the first movie. I thought it was okay. I don't know if I ever watched it more than once. I think I went and saw it in the theater with my friends when it first came out. And I don't think I ever watched it again after that. I know I didn't watch any of the other follow-up movies. So this is really kind of the first time that I've dipped my toes back into the Resident Evil pool in, in many years and I, I liked the 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 two different storylines at play. I thought that was pretty interesting, kind of seeing what what led up to this and, and everything surrounding it and then, you know, the the future ramifications of all that. It's it's just I don't it it just didn't do enough to hook me to make me want to watch past uh episode two. 
I, I did like the performance of, of their dad, that, that scene. And I think it's the first, maybe the second episode where he's kind of threatening that other um, umbrella employee. That was that, awesome. That their daughters had the, the altercation. I, I thought that that was really, really great. And, um, I do like the, the chemistry between the, the two daughters and then only seeing the one daughter in the, in the future, you know, portions of it, it, it kind of makes me wonder, okay, what's going to happen with, with this, this other daughter. And I, j- I just don't know if I care enough to actually devote more of my time to watch it. So, so I did stop it at, at episode two. And I was just kind of waiting to, to hear what the general buzz is going to be from people that, that are more experienced with, with this IP to, to see if it's something worth investing that extra time in. But, uh, the left to my own devices on it probably won't go back and watch more of it. You know, the, the boy that's been breaking into umbrellas, uh, like, you know, they're, they're, yeah, the, the hacker dude at their school, I think, and it hasn't been revealed yet, but I'm thinking that's the son of like the head of umbrella, that woman. Oh, that would make sense. So yeah, Billy, um, resident evil. So I, I watched the whole season. A um, little background. I'm a huge Resident Evil guy. Um, just even as recently, I've been doing a playthrough of the old games. And before this show coming out, just thinking it will be kind of cool to kind of go back and check it out. And I hated this show. It's a complete toss it for me. And again, I think that's going to come from and maybe speak for more for someone who's a fan of the games and of the IP a little bit more. It, it's not that I expect it to be kind of beat for beat for anything from the games, but it it doesn't capture the spirit of the games at all. They they lean way more into kind of a, a World War Z type of zombie games. There's no crazy sense of isolation like that defines most of the games where the character is actually kind of putting together some weird mystery, even though there may be little things. There are bands of people and it's always in these posts. It, there's always just too much going on. There's no mystery to it. and as far as like as you continue to go, does it get any better? You start to get some, I'm going to say like air quotes, reveals and some things that kind of tie into the lore of the games, but they fall flat. They're they're going to piss off one anybody who's a game fan, but two, I think even somebody who's just watching it through, they're going to be like, that's kind of lame, and that's how I felt. So honestly, for me, it, it was a a toss. It it's kind of just bothers me again. It's with these Netflix shows where um, this was a high budget show. You could tell in a lot of respects. And it's like, you're telling me we get this, but you can't finish glow. You can't it just, it just was an unnecessary, just frivolous. And again, it's for an IP that I really love. I feel like they could do something so much cooler with it. And this was like a cheap version of the movies, which I enjoy. I think the movies are cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's Resident Evil. I, 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 I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of this. It was fine, though, for me, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. I guess bigger fan you are. Maybe you have higher expectations. I just wanted to be scared and doesn't scare me. So, yeah. And, yeah, bring back Glow because that show is fucking awesome. Fuck you, Netflix, for canceling Glow. Um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Don't Make Me Go on uh, Prime Video. This is a movie. Uh Get out your fucking tissues for this one. Crap. Um, after discovering that he has a terminal disease, a single father takes his reluctant teenage daughter on a cross-country road trip. 
to find her estranged mother as he tries to teach her everything she might need to know for the rest of her life along the way. So, yeah, he's got a um, he's got like a what is it? Was it a bone tumor, a calcified bone tumor in his brain? That's yeah. that uh, basically he can have surgery and have it removed. But there's a 80 uh, percent chance that he'll die on the table. And uh, they're giving him a year to live, and he's made the decision that he is going to live that year and uh, take his daughter to meet the mother because he wants someone to be able to, you know, take care of her. Uh, have he wants her to have some family after he's gone because there's nobody left. He he doesn't have any family. And um, yeah, so the movie's about this road trip and and uh, him trying to reconnect with the mother and the the girl meeting her mother for the first time and and. Uh, it was written by uh, Vera Herbert. It's directed by Hannah Marks. Uh, and the main star here is the father is John Cho. And then the young girl is played by Mia Isaac. And, um, yeah, Billy, what did you think about Don't Make Me Go? You hit it right on the head. First of all, total Tupperware for me. It is emotional. The relationship with John Cho and the daughter is real. It's natural because it's not always even having nothing to do with the disease, just a normal father-daughter relationship. It's bumpy. There are some, not to make a joke, but like a lot of inside jokes between them. The dad's corny and he embarrasses the daughter. And there's a lot of that and trying to balance being a single dad and, and dating. And there, there's so much realness to it before they even ever kind of get to talking about that kind of the subject matter. You're kind of talking about the disease and everything like that. And there's just there's just so many beats throughout this movie where they they hit you hard. There's not it's not just the the sickness. There's just a lot of stuff where you're you're not expecting and a lot of stuff that is as far as like you're just emotional the entire time. I watched it with my wife and I mean it was just an emotional ride from beginning to end. So I think anyone listening to this would um would would get. I would doubt anyone can watch that movie and not be emotional. So a total Tupperware for me. Yeah, I love John Cho. Um, one of my favorite movies that he came out with recently was that movie Searching. It was all I awesome. Mean, great fucking movie, man. Right. Awesome movie. Love that movie. Phenomenal film. Like, uh, you know, it's uh, there's nothing like watching that one for the first time. Nothing like watching it for the first time. So good. So but I love John Cho, and I was. This is my first introduction to this young actor of uh, uh, Mia Isaac, who plays his daughter Wally. And man, she's fucking good. She's she's good at the she's good at really good at the dramatic stuff, man. Like there's a you know dramatic scene. I'm not gonna spoil anything, but there's a dramatic scene between her and her father here, and it man, it really fucking it really pulled the tears out of me. This movie, this movie did, it pulled the tears out of me. And there is, there is quite a few, like, you know, you've got a father who thinks he's dying and he's trying to give his daughter life lessons. And like, there is, uh, there are moments where he's giving these, her these life lessons. And it's like, man, any, everybody should hear these. Not, not just her. It's like, it's good for me to hear some of these things. <laughs> I, I, the movie starts off with like a, a hilarious scene too, so it gets you laughing right from the get, um, with the nude beach scene, you know, which we cut, which, <laughs> which they, they they revisit later. Like he's going to take his daughter to the beach, doesn't realize it's a nude beach, and they show all like these old, 
these elderly bodies on the beach that are completely nude. And, and so dicks, Brian dicks, that's yeah. Lots of veiny penises, right? Billy. God damn, Billy. <laughs> let it, are. let it go. Jesus. Christ. You wouldn't let me talk about it earlier. Now you're just, you keep throwing these dicks back into my fucking face. It comes uh, <laughs> up again later in, in another show that we watched. So, uh, but, uh, and then she's got, you know, this young girl's got this boyfriend, Glenn, who, Basically, doesn't make the time for her and doesn't doesn't treat her the way that you know that she should be treat, treated. She basically, you know, doesn't. He won't even. He won't. It's not even a boyfriend. He, they want. They aren't even official. So, it, it. So she's got that going on in her life, and um, um, I loved the the scene of them at the casino. I thought that that was a lot of fun. Um, he's, he's teaching her to how he gets her to go on this road trip to begin with. She doesn't know she's actually going to meet her mom, but he like kind of tricks her and says like, I'll teach you to drive on the way there. And like her driving had me, had me scared out of my mind when there's a certain scene where she's trying to, to merge into traffic and she closes her eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And I also want to say that after watching John Cho sing in this, He's a great singer. I think he has got a great singing voice, and they definitely got the wrong guy to sing in American Pie because Chris Klein fucking sucks and John Cho rocks. And uh, I Tupperware this fucking movie. I loved it. Um, I love a movie that can that can bring emotion out of me. And there were a couple times where I was brought to tears during this movie. So it's an absolute Tupperware for me. Um, and I know that's what it's meant to do. And I know it plays music that is supposed to bring that out of you. I know it's fucking tricking me into fucking crying from the beginning, but it, it did. And it made it worked. <laughs> and I loved it. So Tupperware. And I know Joe hates these kind of movies. He hates being brought into this kind of emotional shit that makes him fucking <laughs> feel bad and cry. And I'm so glad that this fucking movie was on the list this week. And you were forced to watch this shit, Joe. <laughs> I am so fucking glad you're all you're like you're like those people in Moonhaven and you just want to take the bright Joe's like no, Joe's like Joe's like Joe's like Brian no more tear taste no more chest dark no Joe Joe all the chest dark baby all the tear taste baby don't make me go Joe I'm making you go you're watching this movie what did you? <laughs> I watched the trailer for it. Now it don't make me go more like don't make me watch this. Oh, you, you <laughs> Joe, you want to live in a goddamn bubble where nobody has to go through any trauma. And I made you watch this shit. And now you're going to tell me about it. <laughs> I know if you were to go inside my head, like inside out, my sadness is like duct tape to a phone pole. <laughs> in like a dark corner of my mind. <laughs> you don't get to come out. Well, I'll tell you what, dude. This movie brought out the sadness. Like I sobbed at the end of this. Like I cried so hard and like the performances in this were fantastic. I liked all the music in it. It's just a, a a very, very beautiful story. And I will tell you though, that I, I watched this Friday and it wasn't until I was doing some like kind of introspection on it this morning. Cause last night I was like, this movie was emotionally manipulative and I didn't like that yada yada. But then after I slept on it and I was thinking about this morning, I was like, no, this movie was an absolute Tupperware. Like it was the, the, the story and the lesson of this movie is 
it's it's very powerful and it's very beautiful and this is a movie that I would recommend for everybody to watch and get a box of tissues you're going to need it and you know think about it afterwards and think about the the lesson that this movie was telling you because it's it's very powerful one of these one of these one of these weeks like on Patreon Joe I'm just going to have a whole like fucking like we're just going to watch people die in movies <laughs> it'll be a whole month of that man it'll be like one week we're watching fucking the notebook the next we're watching like uh, all the fucking the, the 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 kids dying in the hospital movies you know with the teen romance and one of them's gonna die and then uh well it's just gonna be a bunch of dying people movies joe i'm gonna fuck you up on patreon bro <laughs> You watch like Marley and Me. <laughs> Thirteen Reasons one. Why Marathon. <laughs> Welcome to week three of Chess Dark Joe. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna break Joe. Chess Dark Joe is a great name for the podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you. Man, I'm glad you watched this one, Joe. I knew. I know you. I've listened to you on other podcasts, and you're like, I don't like that emotional shit. And it's like, man, I was so happy. This. I was so fucking happy. This movie fell on this week. I was like, yeah, yeah, fucking brain tumor. Give it to Joe. Come on, not, 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 wow. not. I don't want you. I don't want you to get a brain tumor. <laughs> I know it's fantastic that all all my my podcast friends that make me watch these things are making me grow as a person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not letting you take the bright drug on this episode, Billy. What did? Oh, I always asked Billy. Um, uh, Jake. Yeah. Um, don't make me go. Yeah, it's a Tupperware party. This movie was so fucking good. I John Cho and Mia Isaac were so good and had such great chemistry with each other. It was like such a perfect father daughter road trip type of movie and like you know it wasn't a perfect family you could tell that like they both obviously really really loved each other but both had been making mistakes in their life as to how they should be treating each other and just uh seeing the the derelict things that she would get up to and still know that she was wrong in doing them and his reactions it it was just so much fucking fun. And, and that was kind of the bait and switch, right? It's, it's hilarious, but you know, they're going to get you with the emotion. Um, also, I, uh, I thought Jermaine Clement, even though he had a very brief role in this was such an excellent yeah. douchey douchebag. Oh my gosh. I wanted to reach through my TV and punch him myself. Like, Oh man, what a great little small role for him. Um, yeah, I thought the music was all great. I, I too wrote down that I have John Cho's singing. Wow. Yeah. So, so fucking good. Get this guy in a musical. Like, Thank you. Stat. Fantastic. <laughs> He's fantastic. Like you give, you give the singing shit to Chris Klein. <laughs> yeah. It, did it you ever see his, aud- did you ever see his audition tape for like that musical that he fucking went for? Mm. Oh God. Have you guys, any of you, have you seen this? Like, they, no. it leaked online. I think you can probably still watch it on YouTube. I can't rem. I think it might have been Chicago. I'm not 100% sure, but like he auditioned for like a real Hollywood musical because of, I guess he thought he was good in American Pie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you need to watch this on YouTube. He is just horrendous. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, enough can't be said about this movie. If you have Amazon Prime, 
Prime. It's a it's a must watch. I feel like Amazon Prime does a really good job with these original dramas. That almost seems to be like where they're at their best with these original movies. I think of yeah. this and like wasn't the Tender Bar also an Amazon Prime movie? Yeah. And, and what what about the what was the it was the Kumail Nanjiani movie about the story about how he met his wife that that was uh, the also big sick. Yeah, yeah, the Big I, I, Sick. That was like a theatrical release, and then also on Amazon Prime. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, anytime like it's a original movie on Amazon Prime and it's going to be a drama, I, I kind of get excited. I honestly think that's where they're at their best. It seems with these original productions. I got the most excited knowing Joe had to watch this shit, and it's like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I want to fuck up Joe emotionally on this episode. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> I sat at the end of my bed and like had to put my head in my hands. <laughs> it was just like full body sobbing. Uh, <laughs> man, there, uh, I can't remember what, oh, I wish I remembered what John Cho said to his daughter when they were dancing. That really fucking hit me, man. It really fucking hit me. I wish I could pull, but there's something he like, if you watch the movie, he says something to his daughter and it just really was, Really? Was the little stuff about like you know only go with the guy that'll take you dancing kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was like he, he. It was a few things that he was saying to her during that. I, I wish I could. I can't say it verbatim. I, oh, I should have wrote it down. I knew I should have wrote it down. It was really powerful. But just watch the movie. Don't make me go. It's on uh, Prime Video and Absolute Tupperware. We got. It, we gave it a Tupperware party, and I fucking loved it. Two more things, then we'll take a break. The rehearsal season. Uh, this dropped on HBO. You can watch it on HBO Max. Uh, it drops on Fridays at uh, 10 Central. Uh, it's uh, Nathan Fielder's return to, um, I guess, uh, <laughs> live action unscripted comedy here. It is scripted, but unscripted. Um, but yeah, he did Nathan for you. He was also involved in HBO's How To with John Wilson. And uh, this series explores the links one man will go to reduce the uncertainties of everyday life. With a construction crew, a legion of actors, and seemingly unlimited resources, Fielder allows ordinary people to prepare for life's biggest moments by rehearsing them in carefully crafted simulations of his own design. When a single misstep could shatter your entire world, why leave life to chance? And the first episode was titled Orange Juice, No Pulp, and Nathan Fielder helps a Brooklyn-based trivia aficionado come clean to his teammate about a long held lie so basically you've got this guy what was his name core yes yes and he's in this trivia group and everyone in the trivia group they take it very seriously they'll go to trivia nights at different bars and they take it very seriously all of them have master's degrees and he felt he had a bachelor's but and he felt kind of like not in their league. And so he made up this lie that he had a master's degree and, you know, people in the group had been sending him emails about jobs that require a master's degree to help him get a job. And he'd been carrying this on for, for years. And, and, and these are his closest friends and he felt really bad about this. And so, um, Nathan gets him on this show and, we see Nathan talk to this guy and have his first interaction with this guy at his home. Unbeknownst to him, though, Nathan, weeks prior, had had a group come in. What were they checking? Like the gas lines or something like that in his house? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they took video and pictures of the layout of this guy's apartment. 
And Nathan had reconstructed this guy's apartment on a separate studio down to the T. And Nathan himself was rehearsing with actors how his first interaction would go with this guy named Core, which is basically what this guy's going to be doing himself later when he is rehearsing with an actor and coming clean about him not having a master's degree on trivia night until they actually have the real moment that would be filmed. Um, this is a wild concept. I don't even know if I have like laid it all out a hundred percent, like completely like what the show does. It is, it is a wild concept of a fucking show. There's definitely humor involved because, and it's this weird Nathan Fielder, dry humor that I love. I loved Nathan for you. It's an absolute Tupperware. And, and I know Joe is not one for the cringe comedy. So again, another show. I love the fact that I made Joe cry earlier with, with don't make me go. And now Joe hates cringe comedy. This is a hundred percent cringe. And so it's, it's like, like cringe meets reality TV too. Another <laughs> thing I don't think Joe's the biggest fan of. Yeah, exactly. He didn't like that Eric Andre road trip movie that we had with Tiffany Haddish. Like it, that's not his thing. And I don't know, but maybe Joe appreciates like the level of detail and the links that Nathan Fielder will go to, to give us this show. I mean, Jake, I'm torn. Like, it's like, it's like, I think one episode for me is not 100% enough to give it a Tupperware. I think the, the more it goes on, I, I will give it a Tupperware. I'm going to high taste it right now for this one. I think I need to see more episodes play out. I love the attention to detail. Um, when it comes to this, like they recreated the bar. That core is going to down to a T and they have it in a studio or like at a warehouse or something like they made the bar look exactly the way it's going to look on the night down to the detail that there's a balloon loose in the bar hanging up by some uh, duct. Uh, by, by an air duct in the ceiling and they brought the same balloon in like everything down to a T. I really appreciate the attention to detail, but I'm going to give it a high taste. I, I need to see more episodes and it looks like the next episode that they teased is going to be pretty fucking wild. I don't even know where they're going in that. Um, but yeah, Jake, what did you think about the rehearsal season? Yeah, this is the highest of Tupperwares for me already. Like I'm already thinking that this might be the most brilliant reality TV show I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> like I, I was just, I could not believe what I was watching. I love that he basically has unlimited resources to do all the things he's trying to do. Like I, I'm really fascinated with how much money HBO spent just on this first episode, like him recreating all these things down to the T, like you said, that giant soundstage that he's, that he's doing it on. I, I thought the first guy that they got, the core, was just absolutely perfection for the first episode. It's just such a crazy, unscripted dissection of human nature and what you're thinking about while people are having conversations. And just to see how close the rehearsals got to the real things and having those spliced next to each other. I thought was great. There was also just tons of moments where I was just dying in laughter. Um, the segment where he's trying to leak the uh, trivia question answers. So he's not bothered by trying to win the game at the same time. He's trying to reveal that he doesn't actually have this master's degree when they're like, 
crossing the police line and the cop is talking about how it's days like these that I hate the Chinese for inventing gunpowder. <laughs> it's like, it seems so unnatural, but the the guy never catches on whatsoever. Like you can tell from his interviews after the trivia contest that he gave himself all the credit for everything that happened there. So just the psychology of this show is so insane. Like I'm already ready to watch this first episode again. I, I can't wait to see more of this. I can't wait to see the other people that they they do this kind of thing on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, th- this show is the peak of brilliance to me. It is brilliant. It is brilliant. And I, I mean, I probably will see that as we go deeper into the series. It's just such a different experience than Nathan for you. <sighs> that It is so much different. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think I could have more respect for this guy, but now yeah, like – this made me think he's just one of the fucking greats. He is like, this amazing. Is, this is a TV moment to me. One of like the most subtle and funniest parts in this fucking episode is the fact that he comes up with this fake website called Thrifty Boy. Thrifty Boy. <laughs> and I won't tell you exactly why it's brought up, but he uses it later to show up to the bar to get the trivia answers. And as he's playing Thrifty Boy, they cut to him really quick and he's sucking on a ketchup packet. So I, I just thought that that was so fucking funny because he's thrifty boy. He's cheap. He doesn't want to spend money, but he wants to do things. And here he is. You know he walked into like a fucking McDonald's and stole the free ketchup packets and he's just sucking on it for like a midday snack. And I was like, that is such a fucking Nathan Fielder thrifty boy thing to do. And it was such a quick shot. And I was like, that is funny as shit. But um, Billy, what did you think about the rehearsal season? I fucking love the show. It is the highest of Tupperwares. I agree with Jake. I think this the overall and kind of like where you're at with the high taste of like I think as you go. I, I just think the premise this for all intents and purposes, like the guy for, on this and the secret he had wasn't really much of a big deal. It, it really I mean to him it was. But if you look at like in the level of seriousness in the world, it wasn't. But it was just so interesting. And like you said, to be able to have those conversations, even down to him doing mock-ups of the conversations after the exercise for himself, depending on how the exercise went for the guy. Yeah. Nathan's got like a flow chart of like different outcomes and literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stuff that I use in my, in a QA project management role. So it's like stuff that I use and he's doing, and it was so amazing. And I was, it caught me completely off guard. And I, like you said, it's, it's, it's reality TV meets, comedy meets kind of a psychological study like i texted brian my, my co-host for the reality guys when i was watching it this morning and i was like we have to review this show i think it'd be a great thing to review week by week it's they're all so different and it's just so interesting so highest of tupperwares for me this was probably the movie we watched was awesome this was probably my favorite thing we watched this week I'll probably be at a Tupperware. I'll be at a Tupperware with it. I love Nathan Fielder. Nathan for you is like one of the. Have you ever watched Nathan for you? I have. It's. it's I love that show. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I. Here's where it, the ratings are going to get interesting because this is. I don't. This is. I don't know if this is made for a Joe Stark. I'm. Joe, I'm dying to hear what you thought of the rehearsal season. And if you say, I didn't watch it, I'm going to be, I'm going to go, you're going to, Darth Brian is going to come out like you've never heard. <laughs> Lie, Joe. <laughs> yeah. Joe. No, I didn't watch this. Yeah! I did watch this. Um, 
so I've heard of Nathan for you before. I previously didn't think that I'd watched anything of his, but I I Googled him and kind of looked up some of his sketches, and I did see the one where he was risking becoming a pedophile. <laughs> so that was my the only thing I'd previously seen him in was trying to escape handcuffs before a robot pulled down his pants and exposed him to a bunch of children. <laughs> oh, um, and so I wasn't sure what I was going to be getting into with this because everything that you've described about me so far is spot on. <laughs> you know, this is not in my wheelhouse of something that I would watch on several layers. Um, and so I went into it with, well, it's on the list. I'm going to watch it. And <laughs> I found this incredibly moving. Dude, I'm not going to lie. When when it got to the point later on oh, yeah. in, in, in the last bit of this episode where the guy actually finally tells the he, – he confesses to his friend and then has this cathartic moment where leading up to it, he's saying, you know, I just – I'm, I'm just going to tell her that that's what I did. And if she asks any follow-up questions, I'm going to say, you know, that's really respectfully none of your business. I'm not going to talk about that. Cause you could tell he was just so uptight and so very concerned about this and losing this friendship. But then when it actually happens, like the true colors of that friendship come out and they have this cathartic moment and really talk about it a lot. And dude, that worked for me. Like it made me tear up. I was like, this show is really fucking brilliant. Uh, it's something that I plan on on watching going forward. And it, yeah, it totally was a high taste it for me. And I think this is something that as it goes on, if there's more episodes that work like this one did on an emotional level for me, I could see this being an absolute Tupperware. Um, and what a wild concept that, <laughs> that we're going to go in and we're going to rehearse this. And we're going to try and think around every possible corner and come up with an answer to do that. And just with the because I, I I tend to do that when I get involved in projects. I try and think around all the corners and, and come up with the different scenarios and, and a response for that so that when it if something like that does happen, you're kind of already prepared for it. I, I do that in so many different instances of my life to actually see a show where they take it to such a high level with an unlimited budget. I was like, this is insane. And what a neat concept. So Against all odds, this show absolutely worked for me, and it makes me want to go back and look up some more of the stuff that he did in Nathan for You. Um, uh, one of the things I, had, I I saw some of the footage from the the dumb Starbucks one, and I thought that looked hilarious. Um, so you know, please if if you are a huge fan of Nathan for You, just you know hit me up on on Twitter or through the leftover army or whatever and let me know what skits I need to check out. I'll tell you one right now that is just so bizarre. I can't believe it was put on Comedy Central. Yes, please. A hotel where it's like it's a family vacation, but you know, what do parents want to do on vacation <laughs> and they can't do it with the kids in the room? And so he has them basically invent this uh like it's like a pod that the kids get in and it's got like a bed in it and it's got like a tv and uh air is being pumped into it and it's soundproof and then he brings in two real porn stars to have sex on the bed in there while these children are inside there to see if they can hear them. So this would be like if the kids could hear their parents fucking. And it's like, I was like, I can't believe I am. This is so fucking bizarre. I cannot believe I am watching this. 
<laughs> I saw a clip of that one when, when I googled the the. It was like a some article that that had a handful of his best uh, bits in it, and I saw that one, and I couldn't fucking believe it. <laughs> He's he is he, he really does approach the line on on yeah. shit that's just so far out there. It's yeah, the, this is this is super compelling, and man, I can't believe it's. Uh, do you know how many episodes it's going to be? I do not know. I do not know. He like he just deconstructs comedy, and then whatever he turns it into is like the most bizarre shit I've ever seen. It's dry, but it's it's sometimes it's just like. I'm still belly laughing. He's like the Stanley Kubrick of comedy in that way. Yeah. In this show, he makes it fun to watch stuff not land too. Like I was laughing just as much at stuff not landing as I was at stuff that was landing. Like the whole plunger bit I thought was just fucking genius. And seeing how that played out with the, with the dummy in the real core, it was just absolutely hilarious. Like I, yeah, I can't say enough about this show. It was so fucking good. And I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little worried for future episodes because I, I think I, I think you're right, Joe. Like, Core, you were so invested in that character. Like, I was almost, like, on the edge of my seat if he was actually going to go through with it or not. Like, I was starting to get scared he wasn't even going to do this. And I was so invested. And even though it was such a trivial thing, him being able to get it off his chest. And it it was so releasing that he actually did. I don't think that there's going to be an episode where Nathan does not be is not able to get these people to do what he wants to do. He goes to the extra he goes the extra mile, like even down to the point where, you know, Cora was saying, like, you know, if we're losing at trivia, I might not tell her she'll be in a bad mood. So, like, Nathan goes the extra mile and gets the answers to the trivia question. It's like this guy will not let this show fail. It is. I mean, he goes above know, and beyond. The psychology of, of yes. it all, too. Like, when he loads the blanks into the gun. Yes. The seat shooting, oh so they'll be more bonded together because they both suck at the thing. Like, I, uh, <laughs> Wait, what about was with, so fucking good. Jake, what about when they're walking by the police officer who says there's, like, a hostage situation? <laughs> That's what I was talking about. That's what he tells him about. Yeah. yeah, Jake already mentioned that one. I was thinking it would be amazing if he would have been able to find a way to make – um, the the clay pigeons explode in the air. Oh, so they shot every one. So it looked like they shot every one of them. <laughs> I mean, it feels like if that's what he it. wanted, HBO would have paid for it. I, I felt like HBO gave him a fucking blank check to make this show. Well, you know, they knew that it was a hit on Comedy Central. Comedy Central has done away with, like, all their live scripted fucking comedies, and they're just doing animation now. Tosh.0 is gone. You know, they're not doing shows like Workaholics anymore. And so they were just like, okay, fucking, we've got a free agent here. We did the how-to with John Wilson. Let's get Nathan Fielder, and I hope more people watch this because the rehearsal is uh, fucking. It, it is a bizarre concept. It's a really great show, and I think I will get to that Tupperware. It is, and I, I agree with you, Joe. Like that emotional moment with Core at the end, where he finally does come fucking clean. Like I was really pulled into it, man, in that moment. Yeah, I liked that they set up a scenario that was like the worst case, also, and, yeah. and kind of made him go through that with all the actors. Yeah. Yeah, I like that he decided not to go through with telling Core just based on how the scenarios played out for him. Yeah, I, it, it, there was just so much to this. I mean, stop listening to this podcast and watch this show and come back. It, it's so fucking good. Or don't come back. <laughs> just, just yeah, you know what? Just win, win. Just walk away from this. We're pod- not going to talk about anything better than this. This is <laughs> just <laughs> the week of the week. 
I mean, ever. Just unsubscribe. <laughs> I no. mean, good chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about uh, Farzar. Jake, you didn't get a chance to see this, did you? I did not. Farzar, it's an animated series on Netflix. I believe it's 10 episodes. It's an adult animated series. Uh, it follows an egotistical warrior named Renzo who liberates the planet Farzar from the evil alien Bazarak. He works to establish a human settlement beneath a huge dome to keep them protected from the alien ecosystem. We follow a prince as he and his misfit crew try to fight the evil aliens outside of the domed city. It's from the creator of Paradise PD, also on Netflix, and then Brickleberry from uh, Comedy Central. Uh, Lance Reddick is in this. He plays Renzo. Um, and then uh, uh, some other uh, voice actors here. Greg Griffin is Queen Flammy. Um, also, uh, Carrie Walgren plays Mal and Val, uh, the conjoined twins in the series. Carrie Walgren follows us on Twitter. Jake has for years. I don't know why, but we follow her. She follows us. And, and so anything she's involved in, I try to watch since she does follow PCL for some odd reason, but she's, yeah, a- I will. I won't ruin this relationship like I did with Andrew Garfield. Oh, you fucked that up, man. You fucked up. <laughs> you fucked it up. Andrew Garfield was a fan. He was a fife. Fucking followed us on Facebook. You fucked it up, Jake. He immediately unfollowed. I feel us. bad. I'll never not feel bad for that. Yeah, because now he's now you love him. I'd say I'm sorry, but he'll never hear it. He'll never hear it. Please, <laughs> please come back, Andrew. We love you. I, I never, I never didn't love you. Anyway, Andrew, I've watched Tick Tick Boom four times. You're you're the best. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, let's see here. This is this is a divisive fucking animated adult animated show. Listen, listen to the title of this Farzar review on RogerDebert.com. Netflix's Farzar is one of the worst animated shows in years. And then listen, <laughs> and then Ready Stet, Ready Steady Cut review. They titled theirs raunchy space comedy is wonderfully weird. It's split, and like I didn't know what I was gonna get. It felt like. It felt like they were doing like some weird adult animated like spin-off of like a He-Man type story. And uh, like this would be like, you know, in the world of He-Man and Eternia, you know, like you've got Bazarak who's like the Skeletor and, and now he's got his fucking dopey son and shit and and trying to kill Bazarak and each episode is I, I think I'm through <laughs> I'm through I'm through half of this season. I'm I'm through five I love it. I, I'm at a Tupperware on this one. And this is going to be divisive because, like, comedy subjective. But, I mean, it's I, – I had a blast with this one. Um, when the, the, the episode where the robots go on strike and you've got the one robot who talks about the slag slam. And then there's a, there's a talking taint in one of the episodes named Sal. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's this fucking island of Dr. Moreau constructed Frankenstein mutant named Billy. And he's a mix of like all these monsters and animals. And he's got an elephant foot with a vagina on the bottom of it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and there's a moment where like his hands are so fucked up and he can't pick up a gun. He's got like a, crab claw for one of his hands and he can't pick up a gun and he's upset about that and he he's like yelling at the scientist about like you know why didn't you give me you know arms that can pick up a fucking gun and and the scientist says wow someone's having their foot period and i was just 
god! Oh my god! I I fucking was dying. Not every joke fucking hit, but man, there were some that fucking hit for me. Um, and uh, I love <laughs> I love this show. I'm in a Tupperware with this ridiculous premise of a show. And uh, Bazrak, I think, is the voice of uh, of uh, of Shake from uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And uh, I love I love hearing that voice actor, Master Shake. Anyway, Joe, did you? How many episodes did you watch this shit? I watched all ten <laughs> and then started it over. <laughs> yes. I love it so much. It's so good, isn't it? It's so crazy, juvenile, <laughs> and it fucking you're right. Not every joke lands, but dude, there are multiple jokes in every episode that I like. I like all the side characters. It, this show is so fucking crazy, <laughs> and yeah, it absolutely worked for me, dude. I finished episode ten, and I was so disappointed that there wasn't an episode eleven that I'm like, fuck it, I'm starting it over. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, give it the give it the two thumbs up, man. Let Netflix know, dude. Give it the two thumbs oh, up. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for the reminder on that. I need to rate more shit on Netflix. I always forget about that. Even if you like something and you you don't love it, but you want to see it go forward in the future, guys, give it the two thumbs up. Let it fuck. Let them know. Like, even if I just like something on IMDb, I always give it a 10 because like maybe I want it to come back. Maybe I want more of this. I, I I'm not like. I'm not like rating it like I do here with like the yeah you know, I'll give it a little taste in so that's gonna be, you know no or I'm gonna give it a taste it you know I, I give it the ten if I want it to come back like let's 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 you know pump up these numbers a little bit for for these people that we're enjoying I Joe Dude, wait till you get to episode six really if you've only watched through five, five episode yeah. six you are gonna fucking love awesome dude um, yeah uh, oh god I. I, I, I feel like I want to spoil like a little plot point in episode six just to get people to go and check this do out. Do it. Do it. Because I, um, I tease it. Yeah. Tease it like that uh, fucking foot vagina. Tickle it like that foot vagina, dude. Like, what, <laughs> what was that line? was that line about like your foot vagina being dragged in the dirt? <laughs> like, what was- <laughs> like, that's why he likes to tap dance. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but dude, episode six has like uh, Bazarak going and visiting the Golden Girls. Shut the fuck it's, up. I'm not lying. And it's fucking spectacular. And like he has like a whole Golden Girls side adventure with them. But, you know, of course, they all have different names, but it's the Golden Girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So please check out episode six. You're going to absolutely love it. In fact, you got to text me after you've watched it. And tell me what you Did you see that the Daily, the Daily, I think it was Daily Wire exclusive somebody had made. A golden girl. It was called like Golden Girls Three Thousand, and it's about the Golden Girls in the year three thousand. Oh wow! I posted it. I posted it on Facebook, and it's like they take actual dialogue from an episode, but they base it like in the future, and so like. You know, when Estelle shows up in the episode, she's like in like one of those fucking futuristic robot suits like you'd see Ro- Ripley in, you know, like in in Aliens. <laughs> and she she busts through a wall and you can hear the same crowd cheering and shit like in the actual show. It's brilliant, man. And he's actually wanting to make it into a like a, a series. But uh, yeah, Billy, what did you think about uh, Farzar on Netflix? 
I'm so glad that you added this to the list. I saw three episodes and I cannot wait to watch the rest. Total, total Tupperware for me as well. And like you said, not everything lands, but it's also very self-aware. Like in the first episode, you have the joke. The kid's asking, is this going to be more like Rick and Morty or yes. Futurama? And the guy's like, How, it's more like go fuck yourself. It's like, <laughs> I, lo- I laughed out loud. <laughs> You know, like there, there's literally a yeah. clothes hanger heated, like heated clothes hanger penis torture scene in the first episode. You guys are making each other blow each other's heads off. And this is like 10 minutes in. And I'm like, what is this show? It's, but I was cracking up. And I, I so far in the first three, it just it, it's it, again, you guess juvenile. It is a lot of sex jokes and gore jokes and whatever but it was just it's just pure fun and i think a ton of like your listeners brian a lot of the people in the leftover army that we interact with a lot will get a total kick out of this show so a definite tupperware for me talking about veiny penises that blue veiny penis that pops to the top of that building jesus fucking christ dude (laughs) oh my god it looked like dick jokes in this (laughs) it was like dr manhattan's dick blew the roof off a building Oh, it, sea beast. this is uh, this is an absolute Tupperware. I uh, that that fucking Roger Ebert dot com review. Like you don't have a sense of humor, dude. Like this is fucking hilarious. Yeah, that person had a stick way up their ass. That, yeah, that they were unable to laugh at. I mean, because yeah, it is absolutely juvenile, but it's it's fucking funny. It's really really well done. Yes. And, oh my god, the amount of euphemisms and stuff they have in the queen <laughs> the queen being ultra horny. <laughs> and the czar wanting nothing to do with it. And oh my god, it's so good. Oh god, yeah, the 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 clone reveal. I was like, "Okay, it's it starting to make sense." <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love make it. Make me a general. I love it. I love this show so fucking much, man. Do not cancel this like you canceled the Jake Johnson animated Hoops series Netflix because this Hoops was fucking fantastic. Farzar is an absolute Tupperware. It is so fucking bizarre. I am here for Farzar, man. A hundred percent. Love this show. <laughs> fucking elephant foot vaginas all day, baby. <laughs> oh my God. I love his show. Billy's so great. <laughs> Billy is so awesome. <laughs> what is Billy doing in C plot this episode, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's so self aware. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Yes, watch Farzar. Oh my god. Yeah, see, Joe, you know what I did? We ran the gamut with you on this one. I fucking <laughs> listen, man. I made you cry, I made you cringe, and I made you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All this emotional growth. Oh my god. I know, Joe. You're a beautiful <laughs> listen, honestly, after this episode, you're a more beautiful human being to me. <laughs> <That's> fantastic <laughs> yeah. i don't know man a lot of growth jake wouldn't you agree a lot of growth out of joe this episode i totally agree i mean all, and he liked almost everything that he normally isn't in his wheelhouse I know. too so yeah way yeah. to go joe yeah joe yeah, no this was a great week I, I i pretty much liked almost everything on the list so it was great yeah a lot of different stuff dude when billy just starts fucking jacking off <laughs> you know like <laughs> 
died. And then the doctor's like, they're like, are you going to do something about this? He's like, if you don't grip it harder, you're never going to come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. Please tell me somebody fucks that vagina on his foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it comes back up later in a later episode. Fantastic. All right, guys. We're going to take a I love this show. I love this show. Jake, what do you think? I'm thinking Jake is going to low taste it. I don't know. I feel like I will hate this show yeah. just based on listening to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> don't you dare, Jake. Don't you dare. <laughs> no, I, you know, I don't even care to hear what Jake's thoughts are on this show. Jake, if you ever watch it, I don't care. I don't want to. offended by that at all. I mean, comedy is so subjective. Yeah. Like, I, I never try to get upset when I don't agree eye to eye with someone on any type of humor. Yeah, because it is. It Yeah, ag- agreed. Unless it's fucking uh, seen at Steve and it's fucking uh, – Sausage party. That's 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 borderline criminal. <laughs> that's borderline criminal. Yeah, that that movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I remember being scared to review that one, thinking that I was going to be the the sourpuss that hated it. Oh, that, that was trash. That was trash. <laughs> you know, Billy's really quiet now. I bet he loves Sausage Party. No. Okay. No, 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 All right. No. All I right. love how we said it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Don't don't even start with this. We're not in this false narrative. Don't 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 want me in with that bullshit, Brian. I get it. I <laughs> Put get that it. evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Man. All right, guys. Let's let's we're gonna take a quick break. I feel like uh, I need it. You know what? Fuck it, Jake. I need it. And yell at me. Thank you. I need it. I need the break. I need a big boy Brian Frank. <laughs> Am I allowed to pee during this break? What, what What do we have? Some kind of like sub-dom relationship going on, Jay? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, yes. Just, hey, I, next time address me as uh, Master Brian. <laughs> Master Brian. Can I, can I urinate during this break? <laughs> yes, you may, you little piss ant. Thank you. Thank you, Master Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, they got dirty. Um, <laughs> we'll be right back. We are Venom. And if you don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. And then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd. In the wind. Head over to Patreon.com and join now for only six dollars a month. All right, hey, we are back. We are back. That was a good break. Good break. Good break. Fed, fed my, fed my cats. I call them Jake. I call my cats the baby guys. The baby guys. Yeah, I, I call them the baby guys. And so on my break, I, I fed them. I'm not going to say the word, but out loud because they'll know they're like a fucking they're like a three year old. But I fed them T-R-E-A-T-S and I got them. <laughs> I can't I can't say that word either. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I they, they are obsessed with the new one that I got. It is it is Frisky's Chicken and Waffles. Oh, wow. I saw a Frisky's breakfast ooh. one while I was stocking at work today that I'd never seen before either. I think they got a bunch of new ones. They ha- the, the, the chicken is shaped like a chicken drumstick, and the waffles are shaped like little waffles. And when you hold it up to your nose, Jake, it smells like chicken and waffles, sir. It's adorable. I'm not going to lie. I would try those. <laughs> <laughs> Live unboxing. 
Mm. <laughs> if you if you gave me one right now, I'd eat it. Oh, we know, we know, <laughs> we know, we know you would. We know you would. All right, guys, it is uh, it is time for the. the, the I just admitted that I call my cats the baby guys. I. <laughs> <laughs> we, I do the same. When they're both together, they're the babies. Yeah, I'm a huge pussy, guys. <laughs> that's what that's what the cats do. Yeah, I call mine my handsome boys. <gasps> oh my god, Joe! I I always say you're. Oh my, look, I call him Mister Handsome. Um, I, <laughs> I call I call he he Mister Handsome all the time, Mister Handsome. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, he is right now. He's laying on a on a stack of discarded grocery sacks that I just didn't throw in the trash. He's just he's loving it anyway. Yeah, all right, guys, it is time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Have you got Joe, Billy, I don't know. Have you guys heard a lot of news about the the boys spin-off because comicbook.com had an article this week uh talking uh, about the co- the college thing? Yeah, it's titled Varsity and uh the boys crossover uh with its spin-off The Boys Presents Varsity. Uh, the boys showrunner Eric Kripke confirmed in an interview with Deadline that some of the storylines of season 3 of The Boys hand off to the first season of Varsity, creating the possibility for familiar faces to appear in the spinoff. The Boys Season 3 finale debuted last week on Prime Video. Uh, quote, uh, There's definitely crossover, and we're doing our best to design a universe that sees some of the issues and storylines in Season 3 hand off to the first season in Varsity. Uh, like there's a presidential campaign happening in the background of that season, and there's certain things that are happening at the school that are both in reaction to season three of the boys, their soldier boy, et cetera, but also some new storylines that are happening in that season of the spinoff that we have to pick up and take into season four of the show. I, I, I'm hoping that they can kind of, um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the show here in a moment, but I, I do want to talk about this. I'm hoping like for as excited as I am about this and the idea of this now after his comments, I'm hoping that this is not, to the level of a, you know, Book of Boba Fett season one, where you have to watch that to know where you're going into season three of The Mandalorian. I, I really feel like, you know, like, I really feel like the previously on for uh, The Mandalorian season three is going to have to show us clips from the Book of Boba Fett. And, I'm hoping that we can still go into, let's say you don't watch Varsity. I'm hoping that you can still go into season four of the boys and know what's going on and not have to be forced to watch Varsity. Am I making sense here? Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Billy. It doesn't have to be required reading. Yeah. I mean, I I am excited about this. This sounds, this sounds like it's going to be a a fun and actually I'll talk about this. Varsity, which is now in production, is described as an irreverent R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test. 
competing for the best contracts in the best cities. It's part college show, part Hunger Games, with the same heart, satire, and raunchiness of the flagship series. The series is currently set to start Patrick Schwarzenegger as Golden Boy. He was good in that fucking horror movie or something that we watched a few years ago on the show. Sean Patrick Thomas as Polarity. Uh, Jazz Sinclair as Maria Moreau, Marco Pagosi as Edison Cardoza, Chance Perdomo, uh, Shelley Kahn, and more. Um, this sounds, this sounds very interesting. Um, he goes on to say it's a very different corner of the world and it's a different concern and thematic, but it's been interesting. Uh, I give Kevin Feige a lot of credit because now that we're dipping our toe into trying to build a universe and trying to do it well, it's hard enough to keep one fucking show straight, but to try to keep two shows straight, have them each be entertaining, is a whole new layer of that. Uh, yeah, I, do do you guys have worries that now that they're branching out with a, with a spinoff that it could either go the MCU route where it's really good or it could go into some of like the spin-off territory that we've seen with The Walking Dead where maybe it's not as good or, or, or a better example the DCEU um, are you worried about this because I, I I think that this can be great and I think Kripke's really good at what he fucking does I think this can be great but I just don't want this to be like required viewing for me to go into season four of The Boys season I four of The like Boys needs to take precedent in my opinion so go ahead Joe yes. I'm sorry well, I, I feel like, yeah, season four of The Boys should take precedence because that is their flagship. And I think for this to be successful, at least in its first season, it should be more of its own thing and maybe get some of these characters, you know, up to, you know, make the audience familiar with them enough that maybe they could fill some of these empty seats that are on the, the board of the seven, but maybe not make it required viewing, but... You know, if these characters show up in the episode in episodes of The Boys, you can go back and and check out this first season of Varsity if you haven't seen it before. But I think making it required viewing as a first season is is very risky. Yeah, Billy, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I think it's cool. I mean, I think as long as they don't they try to differentiate it enough and kind of. The Walking Dead comparison is very interesting. You know, they exist in their kind of own pockets, but now over the years have slowly bled into the you know the mother show and into the overall universe. So, I, I mean, I trust Kripke. I think you know two shows isn't a crazy, outrageous thing for them to manage. And I'm sure he's not going to be day to day on both as they go. Um, but I think it would be cool. I mean, I think they're going to maybe also see fan reaction as well to some of the things and maybe which characters or a character or two. I don't expect to see the majority of, say, the cast of this show on the boys proper, but I think it'd be safe to say maybe we get one or two standout characters that may cross over, and I think it's a pretty safe bet to be able to get quick cameos of some of the the seven or some of the Vault characters, because I'm sure Vault will have a lot to do with this whole competition and contracts, etc., yeah, I think it's I, – I, I like the premise of the show. Like there is like – like this is the same process I'm sure that the the rest of like the seven that we've been introduced to in the show had to go through to get to this. And so, yeah, I'd like to see like what they had to go through and like this new crop of like young superheroes and, and uh, 
maybe one of them starts to realize that Vought is a little bit more fucked up than they thought, that it's not, you know, all that it was like uh, uh, meant to be. Kind of like the arc that we saw going on with Starlight in, uh, you know, the first uh, season of uh, The Boys. So I'm looking forward to it. So Varsity, do we know when this is going to hit? Oh, no clue. I didn't see a date. I read yeah. that same article you were referencing. I didn't see a date. Yeah, I didn't see a date either. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, the boys, Varsity. Looking forward to that one. Um, news from comicbook.com. Uh, Warrior, Gavin O'Connor turning MMA movie into series. So the fan favorite fighting drama Warrior is headed to television. Um, Jake, have you ever seen Warrior? I, I don't think you have. I have not. Joe, Billy? I've not either. I haven't either, actually. Oh, my God. Why did I fucking bring this to the table this week? This is the dumbest fucking story for me to bring up then. I'm telling you guys, watch this fucking movie. Um, is that the Tom Hardy movie? Yes. Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton. Um, uh, fucking I just looked it up. It's on HBO Max. Nick Nolte. Oh, excellent. Nick Nolte is out, in definitely. it. Nick Nolte plays the father. I'm telling you, like this movie brings me to fucking tears every time. This is one of the best sports movies made in the last fucking de- uh, la- last decade. It is incredible. I this is one of my favorite fucking movies, and I have zero problems with him turning this into a series. I I mean, if he can bring out the same emotion and and really get into like the the these uh, MMA fighters and the emotion that he brought out in this first in that in that movie, I'm all for this. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it too much since you guys haven't seen the film. But, um, yeah, I'm going to break this down into it looks like a 10-episode ongoing series uh, developed by Lionsgate Television. And um, I guess here was this quote. Um, Gavin O'Connor said, uh, over the years, I'd been approached by Lionsgate to do, a wo- uh, to do Warrior as a TV series, and I honestly was never interested. Uh, over the pandemic, I was in a different frame of mind, and they said um, – uh, someone came in with an interesting take, um, and I listened to it, and I liked it. There was some really interesting stuff in there. I started sketching out characters, expounding what he had, and gene splicing things, and I called him after the holidays and said, I, I'm in. I think I want to do this. We started figuring out the characters. The thing I said to Adair and Lionsgate, which wasn't in the pitch, is that is about the life fight. Um <sighs> Who did he have starring in this one? They were going to have, uh, yeah, um, I think they've cast somebody. I can't find it in this fucking article. Um, oh, uh, Gina Rodriguez will play a girl named Jessica Flores. She's married to a, uh, to a Muay Thai fighter. Uh, her father is a very well-known boxing referee, and she's been training as a fighter and grew up in combat sports. I didn't have the role for her written when she said, I'm in. Acting and fighting are, t- are two of my favorite things. I'm in. Her journey is about self-worth. A girl who doesn't think she is worthy of anything good happening uh, to get her hand raised in the ring represents her feeling worthy. Um, yeah, I'm down for this. I, I want to see it. Guys, do yourself a fucking favor and watch Warrior. It is I'm, – I'm not, I'm, not I'm not even kidding you. It is it is it is a tremendous fucking movie and Nick Nolte brings me to fucking tears in this movie every goddamn time. Um one of the most emotional movies. I actually did a, an episode of The Real Zodiac where we talked about this. And uh 
you know, they were blown, they had never seen it and they were blown away. Um, yeah. Get on HBO Max and watch Warrior. If you're listening to this podcast, watch fucking Warrior. I'm telling you, I, I didn't expect much of it, a fucking, uh, MMA movie, you know, and I, I, I enjoyed MMA. I used to watch a lot of MMA. I used to watch like the, what was it? The, the reality series, The Ultimate Fighter. I fucking love the ultimate fighter. I used to watch all that, but I was like, how can they do an MMA movie? And I mean, it is, it is fucking phenomenal. Um, highly recommend. Let's move on into, uh, Marvel news this week. Marvel news. Some of this is going to be rapid fire fucking Marvel rumors, but some of it will probably sit and talk and discuss. The first thing is my time to shine. Hello on Twitter is teasing that Chloe Bennett, who played Quake on Agents of Shield, will enter the MCU. She is a fan favorite. I'm not a huge fan of Agents of Shield at all. But Chloe Bennett, a lot of people loved her as Quake. Want to see her return? They're saying she's coming. Yeah, my time to shine. Hello is saying she's coming back. She's going to enter the MCU somehow. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of Agents of Shield either, but I did love the Hickman Secret Warrior series where Quake was introduced. So I would like to get some exposure to the character. Yeah, I I don't see it happening because I I don't think they're going back into the Inhumans. Well, uh, I watched. Uh, I I didn't watch all of Agents of Shield. I think I watched for three seasons maybe and then i watched part of the season with with ghost rider but i never finished that one uh so i'm familiar with the character i, I i'm okay with it just staying where it's at and it, it not coming into the mcu but i don't feel like it's gonna happen anyway just because she's an inhuman we shall see i i don't know man i don't know don't care honestly <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if it happens, it happens. Uh, Fantastic Four rumors from Inverse.com. Uh, they uh, they say Fantastic Four movie leak allegedly reveals the perfect Reed Richard casting. And, you know, we talked earlier. We said Jamie Dornan was being rumored for the one San Diego Comic-Con leak. This is saying that the U actor. Uh, what What is this motherfucker's name? Oh, yeah, this is the one I saw. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, uh, it's, uh, Penn Badgley. Penn Badgley. Yeah, Penn Badgley. They're saying Penn Badgley is going to be playing him. They also have a bunch. Here's the, actually, here's the full length. Here's the full leak. Excuse me. John Krasinski's not coming back. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directing rumors are false. Jason Segal will not be playing the thing. There is no director at- attached as of now. They are looking for actors in their 20s and 30s for the main characters. Uh, Penn Badgley is one of the top choices for Reed, uh, Netflix's actor from the series You. Uh, Simon Baker's wanted for the main villain. He is, uh, he's in a show called The Mentalist. He definitely has the look of a possible Dr. Doom. Um, you know, handsome looking man. If they're going to go with like an origin story for Doom, I mean, we'll talk more about Doom later. Um, other names thrown around for the Fantastic Four are Logan Lerman, Freddie Carter, Melissa Benoist, uh, Callan McAuliffe, Natalia Dyer, and, uh, Jarell Jerome. Natalia Dyer. Why is that name so familiar? I know I should know who she is. 
Uh, she's in Stranger Things, Nancy. Oh, Nancy. Oh, yeah, Nancy. I liked her this last season for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for once, I like her. <laughs> am I wrong? I, I, for once, I liked Nancy. <laughs> no, she was fantastic in season three. Four. Four. Yes. That'd be weird if they cast her as uh, Sue Storm, and then they also cast uh, <laughs> Carrie <Steve>. as uh, her brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Wild. I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking here for it, man. Um, what is it? What else they got? Uh, no offer has been sent out to any actor yet. Casting started a couple months ago and should be announced at D23. Uh, and that was, yeah, that was in the, that was what we talked about is the casting for this would be at D23, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on here, but let's focus on Reed Richards to start. According to this leaker, Krasinski really was just a one-time cameo. Sounds like Marvel is still looking for the perfect Reed Richards, but one apparent front runner is Penn Badgley. All right. Between Penn Badgley and Jamie Dornan, I'm more familiar. I only watched maybe one episode of that You, maybe two at the most. Uh, of course, trash TV. Of course, I'm going to go with Jamie Dornan, um, dude. That you blew up. I mean, there's a lot of people, even in the leftover army, that were big fans of that fucking show. So oh, I've seen a lot of it. Well, yeah, you yeah. want to talk about trash? Let's talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, and I, I almost don't even mean it as like necessarily an insult. Like that, it almost seems like its goal is to just be that way. Yeah. Well, I, you know, front runner for me would be if between those two names is, you know, fucking Jamie Dornan. I'm not familiar with this Penn Badgley, but maybe he'd be a good read. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think Penn Badgley could definitely lean into the part of Reed more of like the the hubris and kind of the narcissistic stuff. And I think that side of him, you've definitely seen with that character on you over the first three seasons. So, I mean, I don't really know between the two of them, honestly. I don't haven't seen them both outside of you and outside of you said of Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't really seen the, either of those guys in much other other things. So it's going to be interesting to see when we finally do get uh, the pick, like wherever one stands on it. That's the thing. Yeah, it's maybe, like, oh, sorry. That's the thing. It's like we hadn't seen much of, you know, Chris Evans. I mean, yeah, he was in Cellular. He was in some other stuff. We hadn't seen much of him. We've seen him in Fantastic Four. You know, and then, and then same thing with Hemsworth. Like, this is really America's, like, first introduction to Hemsworth. And, like, they were taking some of these unknowns, putting, surrounding them with, like, big time actors. And then, you know, now it's like, uh, fucking Hemsworth has, like, eclipsed some of the other actors in the, in that Thor movie. So, you know, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can, if Feige can, uh, take some of these, uh, unknowns. Um, and, and, and pull this trick again. What were you saying, Jake? I think Badgley definitely has the look. Like if I don't know who either of these people are and you just show me both of their like headshots. Yeah. I would, I would pick Badgley. Yeah. For the look. I agree. I don't think Jamie Dornan looks like a Reed, but I mean, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And that's not my biggest criteria, but I, I do, I could see why they would be considering Badgley. Yeah. Uh, rumor from Great Phase. This first one, uh, take it with a huge grain of salt here because I don't even, I don't even think this is a fucking rumor. This is just like, um, this is just, uh, I think this is just Great Phase's opinion. Um, Billy, you love that fucking chat group, don't you? You're fucking chatting right now in that fucking chat group. 
I was replying to Jake. Well, fuck, Jake. I don't know what the fuck is going. Like, can we can we be on the episode? Here? I, I said something during the break, and now Billy's fucking replying during the fucking goddamn episode. It just popped up on my screen, <laughs> right in front of me. Sorry. You love that. I have you, a timestamp to prove I've been paying attention the whole time. Yeah, but Billy's just like I don't. Mar, Billy's like fuck Marvel news. I'm fuck, I'm going back to this goddamn chat where I forgot. I should. I apologize. I did not think or consider Billy's addiction to the chat. That's true, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the addiction. I was the one missing all the messages. I know. I know. Oh my god! But yeah, you, your timing is terrible, Billy. Oh god. Do you want no? Do you want to finish the rest of the episode in the chat? I mean, how about we, how about we do that, Billy? That would be, be wild. Be more comfortable with that, Billy. I'll I'll just screenshot the rest of the episode for our listeners. Go to Facebook and that's innovative podcasting. Needs <laughs> <laughs> a visual you'll, aid. You'll be able to listen to part one here on iTunes, but head on over to Facebook for the visual aid for part two because Billy has a short attention span. <laughs> I honestly saw the alert come up and thought it was something like, hey, this is we're going to talk about this or whatever. And then it ended up being just a a link. So, yeah, just trying to be more aware. Hundred, I'm 100 percent behind you right now, Billy. I agree. Oh, man. Jake, I don't think we're going to see Billy for a while. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, brother. Womp, womp, womp. Oh, my God. Billy, be a better sport. I got to call you out. Now I, you're acting I, all butthurt. Be a better sport with it. Jesus Christ. This. Oh, anyway. <laughs> rumor from Gray. Let's get back. Uh, let's get back to Marvel. Jake, tell me you got to take a break, please. I, I could use a break. <laughs> let's take a break. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm upsetting Billy, and now it's making me more angry at him. <laughs> you're not, dude. You're all I think, good. I think Billy's fine. fine. I'm literally fine. I'm. Ha- I'm chilling. I'm laughing at all this. <laughs> no, you're not. You should just own up to it and be like, "I fucked up, Brian. I was fucking around on the chat, and I shouldn't have done that." Instead, you're just like, "Well, you know, I don't know." Just own up. I, don't know. I thought I made a pretty good point about about what I thought about the U actor, and then I saw an alert pop up, and I thought it was <laughs> look at yeah, still defending, and- still defending your bullshit actions over there, Billy. I should have considered that it would have taken Billy thirty minutes to see my message, and he would respond in the appropriate time. <laughs> but I'm the bad guy here. I'm the bad guy for presenting the news. I'm the bad guy for calling out our guests for fucking chatting it up in a Facebook message group while we're recording. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I I'm, heard you pause, and I in my head I was like, I wonder if that pause is from Billy. Responding yeah, I see. Message. I see this fucking flash. This is <laughs> Billy blinks. <laughs> Disrupted. It's, it's like interviewing <laughs> C2E2 all over again. <laughs> Another inside joke, Joe. What, you, nice. You've been hanging out with Billy way too fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus what? Christ. We're paused, right? No, we're no. not. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you got an excuse. You thought we were paused. I, I honestly did. Otherwise, I wouldn't have name dropped. <laughs> 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 Let's take a break. God damn it. <laughs>
<laughs> I stalled the episode. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> I get, uh, we're back. I gave Billy a, a nice tongue lashing on the break there. And, uh, it was fun. Oh, come on, Billy. <laughs> anyway, Billy, you have to accept Master Brian. Accept. No, he won't. He won't. He, w- he will not own up to it. He will not own up to it. <laughs> He's got a fucking little fucking excuse for all his little bullshit. That'd be Jake. <laughs> just fucking own up you're fucking around you're fucking around on your fucking phone you should have been in the episode it was on my browser on i don't give a fuck if it, i don't give a fuck if it was dangling off somebody's cock i don't give a shit that sounds like the cartoon we were watching <laughs> oh, all right yeah can we take another break, Jake? God damn, damn it. I think that break worked. It was on my browser. I, I got to listen to that fucking bl- – oh, God. All right. You know what should be on your browser? Fuck uh, – Marvel News, what we're doing. That should be on your – that should be on your goddamn browser, Billy. Did I miss the minutes? Billy, it's been fun having you on this one. Where can oh, people find you, Billy? Where can people find you? <laughs> when, when you're not being thrown off an episode of PCL, <laughs> where can people find you, Billy? Oh, you can find me fucking around on my browser. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, <laughs> let's go on another break. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that he won't fucking own up to it, Jake. That's driving me crazy. <laughs> He's adamant. It's awkward pauses. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Rumor from Great Face. I get on break. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't. I, I get, there's part of me that wants to go on another break. <laughs> We're taking a break, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're back. I don't. I, I, I don't even care about the Marvel rumors now, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give me the next one. Give me the next one. All right, take take this one with a with a grain of salt. Oh, I feel like I've said this before. Oh, it's because I did. It's because I, I'm now I'm getting angry again, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, break. Let's find some news we haven't reported on. No. And, you know, it was funny for the first five minutes, but then when it kept going, fuck you too, you fucking bitch. The listener that says that, I fucking hate that. Well, it was funny the first five minutes, but then it kept going. Well, fuck you too. Turn it off and stop listening. Jesus Christ. We don't, we don't do fucking bits. It happens naturally if that's what's happening. Someone's foot's on their period. Anyway, <laughs> uh, great face. <laughs> that was a Farzar reference. Um, at Great Phase 15, I uh, was talking about Ryan Coogler and uh, if he's going to return for any more Black Panther films after Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And I think this is just Great Phase's opinion. Um, he goes on to say, uh, at this moment in time, I do see Coogler returning to direct Black Panther 3. After Black Panther 2, he's going to be heavily involved in the Okoye lead Midnight Angels series. Uh, we'll directly, uh, we'll likely direct and write multiple episodes and then we'll move on to Black Panther 2. That just sounds like speculation at a great phase as opposed to a leak. Just sounds like pure speculation. I agree with that completely. I'm more side with something you said about like 15, 20 episodes ago, Brian, that Kugler's gonna, like, he feels like he has to do the next thing to honor Chadwick, but he's probably gonna move on afterwards. You got to imagine that, yeah, he wants to be there with the cast. I mean, they're all mourning Chadwick and they probably all want to do this in his memory. But I think like, you know, and Tristan brought it up with him having to do a complete rewrite. This has probably been a very stressful experience for him. And to be quite honest with you, I love Coogler, but I'd love to see him uh, do some more original kind of movies. Like I loved Fruitvale Station. So you know, if he moves on from this and starts doing more of his original stuff, I'll be completely fine with it. And I would be totally understanding of why he would want to leave. So, yeah, it couldn't be the most fun rewrite either. It's not like he has complete creative control of the next step of these characters. Like everything has to be vetted <laughs> through Kevin Feige. So, like, it yeah. couldn't have been the most enjoyable experience. Yeah. Agreed. And with the different troubles that the production has had for the second one, it sounds like it's just not been a fun time all around so it would be shocking to see him come back for a third one after all that you want to talk about troubled productions what about me trying to do this episode and billy's fucking around a messenger i'm kidding um (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the things that we talked about on break is like half of this is real half of it is not people so (laughs) like (laughs) some of the real uh, some of the the fake part is brian saying he's kidding yeah part of (laughs) Part of this is, yeah, definitely. I mean, there is a very real part of like my frustration here, but part of it I am playing up. So, but um, yeah, Billy, you you you're just a fuck around this episode, Billy. Oh, Billy, fuck around. If I were Coogler, honestly, I wouldn't want to come back either because, like you guys said, it's just too damn stressful. Yeah. Everything it's it, it's been a huge mess. It's outside of like anything that he should have wanted to have to do for a sequel. They had a plan. He had his partner in Chadwick, and I, I do think that get through this and and move on and let you know. They said let Feige and let them handle what they want to do with Wakanda and with the character and. I would love to be able to see Coogler be a little bit more free and get to do other projects like you were mentioning that he'd stumbled before because he's yeah. a great talent. But this has been years and years of him tied up in this. So I'm, I'm sure he is ready to kind of close the book on this. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, God, um, I love Fruitvale Station. His original stuff is great. So, you know, 
if he wants to do more of that, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, let's see here. There's also a Black Panther plot leak, uh, from Daniel RPK that's been floating around. Uh, I pulled a photo off of, uh, Twitter. It says, uh, um, Lake Bell plays a scientist who is an original character. She and her team searching for vibranium in the ocean, thanks to a device made by Riri Williams, uh, Ironheart, who will be introduced to, uh, in this movie. And then we're going to get the Ironheart series after that. But Namor is awakened and kills her team. Namor asks Wakanda for help, but they turn him down. T'Challa passes away from sickness. Namor wants to kill Riri, but Wakanda protects her. Uh, Riri's first suit is made out of cars, but when she gets to Wakanda, she gets one made out of vibranium. I'm worried about her first suit looking like a Michael Bay Transformer or something. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> that was scary when, when I read made out of cars. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Uh, war between Wakanda and Atlantis. Shuri's mom passes away and parts of Wakanda are flooded. Uh, Shuri makes an artificial flower to gain Black Panther powers and gain the ancestral plane. Uh, she expects T'Challa, but meets Killmonger. Uh, he helps her become the new Black Panther. Shuri makes her own Black Panther suit. Big war between um, the two nations. Shuri defeats Namor, but doesn't kill him. M'Baka is the new king of Wakanda, while Shuri is the Black Panther. Nakia tells Shuri that she has a son from T'Challa. And that's the end of the movie. Uh, post-credit, uh, they filmed in a post-credit with a stand-in Dr. Doom, which is thought to be the one who sent Lake... I can't read the final sentence. Who sent Lake Bell's team? Okay, there you go. Lake Bell plays a scientist who is an original character, and she and her team are searching for vibranium in the ocean. And that's... So the post-credit scene is a stand-in of Doctor Doom, who is thought to be the one who sent Lake Bell's team at the beginning of the movie. I am buying that post-credit scene. I keep hearing from multiple leakers that we're getting Doctor Doom by the end of this year. Yeah, I buy it, too. It seems like the perfect place to do it, too. I like that it's not just a random scene, that it's actually connected to the plot of the movie, if that's indeed how he shows up, if he's the one responsible for sending these scientists to find the vibranium. That's right up Doom's wheelhouse to want to get his hands on some some vibranium. I Yeah, I like this. Um, and if it's true, I love it. Uh, the thing that I'm still kind of like 100% not, buying i think it still could change last minute is the fact that shuri is still going to end up the black panther i keep hearing that that was the original thing and she was going to be the black panther and now they've kind of stripped her of that and we're going to be and and that mbaku is going to be the black panther kind of going forward for a while until maybe the son nakia and t'challa's son gets older so I don't know. It, I guess it could still be Shuri, but from everything I was hearing, that was the original plan, but they kind of pulled that and it would be in Baku. So that's still up in the air. I'd take it if this were the, the plot to the movie, though. I've been kind of wondering back and forth, like, what in the heck is going to be going on with this, with, with Namor and the Riri of it? And everything you read there sounds really, really logical, and I'll take it. Uh, I, I do wonder what the hell they're doing with shuri just because they had so many problems with that the the actress in it during the production and everything and 
and the 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 stuff with Mbaku does make a lot of sense. That's also kind of a nice way to leave it, though, if he's the king and, and she's the Black Panther. But it just doesn't jibe with what was going on in the real world with the production. It doesn't. And then also the other thing that I'm not 100% maybe on board with here is the fact that she, like it's a Shuri defeats Namor but doesn't kill him. I kept thinking that it would originally be kind of like a war between I, – I think that there's going to be a war between Wakanda and Atlantis. And I, I originally thought that maybe, you know, Namor was going to be the villain. But, I mean, we've already seen some leaked concept art of Atuma. So I kept thinking that at one point maybe Atuma would try to overthrow Atlantis and then Namor would actually be more of like uh, an antihero and – I don't know. Maybe that is too much. Uh, do you think maybe they'll just ha- introduce like Atuma as somewhat of a general in this first movie? I don't know. I don't think it is too much because I mean, when is the next time we're going to be able to kind of broach this topic with the kind of storylines we think are coming in the next few years? I I feel like it all could happen here. I like the idea of it. It sounds kind of even gives me the Civil War vibes of being able to introduce many characters in a pretty cool global conflict. And I do love the idea of the Doom stuff. I think that will probably get the biggest pop outside of maybe a Thanos pop or even bigger than a Thanos pop in a post credit scene when general audiences see it who, you know, are in the know. Oh, I think Doom is more well known than Thanos. Yeah, it wasn't really a pop. It was almost like every like someone asking someone else who that even is yeah i saw i I saw a lot of that after avengers one i think more people know who doom is because of the previous fantastic four movies that have come out so i think like this will be huge to and i mean this will be our first introduction to anything fantastic four other than that krasinski cameo yeah people are just more tuned into marvel culture anyway like if we were seeing thanos for the first time in an end credit scene today i think it would be a way different reaction than than when we saw it then you know yeah uh let's see here uh the russo brothers talked to ap entertainment about returning to the mcu and uh here's what they had to say i actually have the uh audio clip here we're always open to it. Yeah, we love those guys. We love everyone over there. Kevin, Lou, Victoria, the actors. Um, you know, right now we're focused on Agbo. Right now our slate's pretty full uh, with uh, uh, Electric State, Battle of the Planets, Gray Man. We'll see where the Gray Man goes from here. Hopefully audiences like it. Um, but, uh, you know, that's really been, uh, been our focus at the moment, working with filmmakers like the Daniels on everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, and, uh, um, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, you never say never, um, and, uh, you know, if the right story lines up at the right time and, you know, we all go back to work. Would you guys be interested in creating a new take for the X-Men? And that was my, one of my favorite comics growing up, Wolverine. My, one of my prized possessions is, um, Incredible Hulk 181, which is the first appearance of Wolverine. Uh, so, you know, it's a uh, important part of my comic book collection. Wolverine being so essential to the X-Men, of course, you know, that would be a, a, a fun project to work on and find a, a, a new way into it. Uh, but I do think that that's probably something that Kevin has rightfully put aside for a while to, you know, uh, introduce some new characters to the world. 
uh, and bring that back when it's ready. Oh my God! I I want the Russos back. I mean, like they are so integral as my enjoyment from like you know phase two and phase three. Like those guys are just incredible filmmakers, and I need some fucking. I need more Russo brothers directed Marvel movies in my life. Like, I mean, what they did with Winter Soldier and uh, Civil War and you know, fucking Infinity War and Endgame. Like, these are epic fucking Marvel filmmakers. And my God, I would love to see them, you know, step away just from Agbo a little bit and fucking do, give us something. Give us the Secret Wars movie. Give us a, a new take on the, on the X-Men. I mean, anything from these guys because Phase 4 has been lackluster for me, fellas. And like, I really fucking, I think we need a Russo Brothers fucking injection into some of these upcoming phases. These guys were great. Too good to let go. They just got so fucking big that, and they moved on. It, like, it breaks my fucking heart because I love these guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. That, it, it was such an undertaking to do those two movies back to back the way the way they did them. I, I can understand why they would want to step away for a little while. But yeah, it's hard to imagine like them doing the big Secret War event and the Russos not being involved. I don't like it just feels like a natural. Dump truck full of fucking money. Like, well, let's fund Agbo for the next decade for these guys. <laughs> it <laughs> sounds like it almost sounds like in that interview they were like, Well, let's see how these movies do, so I guess we should be hoping these movies flop and everyone hates them. I mean, honestly, Definitely. can you tell me like what your favorite Agbo movie is? Like, I know the they did the I believe it was they were involved in the Twenty One Bridges. Maybe that was Agbo. I I mean, I haven't been blown away by any of them. I, maybe I should look them up uh, because I, just going off of memory, um, I'm looking did, it up now. Didn't they do Cherry too with Tom Holland? Yes. yes. Movie stunk. Uh, they were involved. They did extraction, twenty-one bridges. Yeah, twenty-one relic. Hmm. Yeah, nothing too exciting. Get up, please, guys. <laughs> Come. <laughs> nothing on the level of Infinity War, Endgame, Winter Soldier. No, I mean those are those are just peak performance. Yeah. And- you know, combined with with the the comments they'd said in the past, you know, give us a call when you're going to do Secret Wars, definitely being set up. Hearing them talk about about X Men, it would be amazing to watch them helm something X Men. They're they're so adept at handling a large cast and in, mm-hmm. in X Men Secret Wars, both large cast, and they'd be fools to not bring in these experienced directors that they have a track record of knocking out hits when it comes to to bringing in these large cast big stories they know how to do it they know how to do it well you know, bring them in i agree god i'm sorry i i really i need these guys i mean i need i need more of the fucking russo brothers in the mcu because oh man i just need it um uh some daredevil tv show rumors from my time to shine hello on twitter uh, my time to shine hello was asked if the new Daredevil show will be uh, like more more rated R TVMA or or more PG thirteen. Um, to which she replied, um, "It's going to be PG thirteen." I fucking knew it. Yeah, shocker. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised. Watered down Thanks. Daredevil bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. They, they're going to really have to nail it with a compelling plot if they're going to compete with the past. Oh, Joe. They ain't going to do shit. I still think that Daredevil... <laughs> they ain't going to do shit. Daredevil season one and season three in my opinion, are better than anything that they've ever fucking put out on Disney+. Plus. And people can fight me on that. That's fine. That is my opinion. I still think that those two seasons are better than anything I've seen on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, they, they're, they're, they're very, very strong seasons. They're, they're both compelling and, and the, the TV MA aspect of them is just off the charts. Uh, they're, the fight scenes in them are so good. Daredevil, the man without fear, is—it's got a lot of—it's got a lot to live up to. Uh, but if if they're just thinking something different, like okay, well, it's going to be PG thirteen, we're going to now try and start marketing this character to younger audiences, then they run the risk of well, now these younger audiences are going to see the oh, they have these other three seasons of Daredevil on this, <laughs> on this platform. Let's check these out. <laughs> so I love that. I, yeah, they, they're playing a risky game here. They're playing mm. a very risky game. Yeah. I'm surprised that they were so, like, okay to do it with Deadpool that they wouldn't have the balls to also, like, extend that gratitude to Daredevil, too. Well, and the thing is, like, they have, like, this whole, like, mature section on Disney Plus now. Is that just going to collect dust with just the properties that were done on Netflix now since they're... You know, since the rumor here is that they're going to go like the more PG-13 route. Um, yeah, why put that hmm. stuff on Netflix? If right. You're just gonna, hmm. Why even have it there? Yeah, exactly. Just put the fucking shit on Hulu. I think it's just, it just... Is it just for like subscriptions? You know, like, okay. I mean, because yeah, to me it makes sense, Jake, just to put it on Hulu, right? Yeah, they've already said it's not going to be the same continuity, right? Like, so mm, they have not. I, I feel like everything that they've said is like that stuff has happened. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's just weird. Just weird. Like I've said on previous episodes, like if you're gonna do it, I guess a good example is what Mark Wade did after, you know, <laughs> I know Ed Brubaker and Bendis really darkened it up so much. That's fine that in the comics. Know, it's fine. I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I just think. No, I was just going to say, you know, just the, the fact that they're naming it the man without fear, though. I mean, that to me, the first thing I think of is the Frank Miller, John Romano Jr. series, which is like really the first time they went mature with the character. Like it, it's really ironic that they're going to if that's the name, they're going to name it after the thing that made Daredevil such a mature audience's character in the first place. Definitely. That's a really good point. It makes no sense if they're going to fucking, you know, water down the violence. Like you guys said, too, but the comparisons are going to be really striking when you even just look at these season structures because we know how these Disney Plus shows work. You may get a pretty strong episode one. You get episodes two through five that meander, and you get a rushed ending in episode six. And that's just going to really stand out when you get to look at those seasons that had full 10-episode te runs to breathe with full – long episodes and I, we're going to get truncated episode lengths probably for daredevil as well and that's 
that's really where I think, besides even just how good the content is, just the structure of it's going to stick out like a sore thumb if they stick to the same six-episode model that they've been doing. I tossed this fucking news. I'm sorry. I'm not – Joe, I know you're trying to be like Mr. Glass half full. I am fucking like seriously like Kevin Feige. If this is true, Kevin Feige took my glass and threw it on the ground and took a shit on it. I'm sorry. And I'm sorry to be so dramatic about it. But like I loved <laughs> – I loved fucking the the TVMA fucking uh, Netflix Daredevil stuff. And if they they give us the same level of violence that we got in Moon Knight and this is just um, not – what we got from the Netflix stuff, like, and I know it happens in the comics where they can lighten stuff up, like you said with the Mark Wade stuff, but like, for me, a tone was set in that series, and I don't want to see like watered down Kingpin and Daredevil, and so if this is true, I toss it, and going into the series, I'm going to, I, I am going to, I, I'm going in with, uh, I'm, very, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be very hard to turn me around on it. <laughs> I'll just say that. Yeah, I agree. It's harder to accept when a lot of the principal cast is gonna still be there. Like it's the same guy playing Daredevil. Like it might be easier to accept that like Mark Wade version if we did a complete recasting and it's like oh, okay, I, they're going in, in a completely different direction. But it's the same Kingpin. Yeah, it's the yeah. Same Daredevil. Yes, exactly. And- yeah, if, they, if we had a new actor and if we didn't have Vincent D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox returning and it was a different actor and they wanted to take it like in this little, you know, pussified way that they're going to do, then you'd be more open to it. I'd be so. more open to it. Absolutely. If they wanted to, you know, make it all like that. I don't know. I'll stop railing on that. Let's talk about that Echo series uh, and the rumors surrounding it. Um these rumors come from the Weekly Planet podcast. According to them in their latest podcasts, um, this is going to happen in Echo. Matt Murdock will appear in three episodes and will wear the black and red suit. Uh, maybe. <laughs> My Time to Shine Hello originally said it was going to be the red and yellow suit. So that has changed. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember me reporting that rumor. I thought it was the yellow and black episode that My Time was a uh, costume. Oh, really? Okay. I could be wrong about that. Wasn't the original suit the yellow and red? Just the original suit was yellow and black. Okay, so we looked at it's yellow, black, and red on that original costume is what you're finding out. Yeah, we're both right. The the D on the front of the costume is in red, like his gloves are red, but the suit, like the arms, the head, the legs is all yellow with the black shirt and black pants. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, we got we got red, yellow, and black. That's what I heard that the suit was going to be going into this series from My Time to Shine Hello, and that was a that was a that was a rumor from a long time ago. I'm probably I'm probably talking like um, over a year ago. Jake, honestly, was like the original rumor for that. So uh, they're saying black and red suit. Uh, Wilson Fisk will be in it for four episodes, wearing an eye patch, and his arc builds up to him running for mayor in the MCU. Uh, Matt would be looking for Jessica Jones, which matches rumors that she would be in Echo and would be a part of the Daredevil revival. Um, here's some quotes from host James Clement. Yep, Daredevil is in it for three. <laughs> Go ahead. I was thinking, sorry, Jessica, no more fucking for you. <laughs> I know. No shit. 
Uh, fucking Feige's putting the chastity belt on fucking Jessica Jones. You just have to flick the bean every time the camera pans. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All the fucking incursion happens off screen. Yay. Um, <laughs> here's some quotes from host James Clement on that podcast. Yep. Daredevil is in it for three episodes as in Charlie Cox. And speaking of Cox, the only Cox you'll see is Charlie Cox in these shows because it's, I mean, he doesn't say any of that. Um, Kingpin D'Onofrio is in four. The Kingpin storyline is building up to him running for mayor of New York City. Apparently, he's going to be wearing an eye patch because he was shot in the head in Hawkeye. Daredevil is also going to be rocking a red and black suit and is looking for Jessica Jones. Um, Great Phase 15 on Twitter backs up. Wilson, Wilson Fisk is running for the mayor. He says, pretty much everything I've heard lines up with this. It's a smart move so Fisk can be protected politically. I said a while ago, Echo would be the true start of the street-level MCU. Um and my time to shine, my time to shine. Hello. This is what she says about the, the her, her rumors. Um, hers are a little bit different, but she goes on to say that Matt is only in two episodes. He has a big, and, and they said three. He only has a, a big role in one of them. Uh, then he shows up at the end of the show to get Maya to help him find who he's been looking for. Uh, which is Jessica Jones. Uh, Kingpin is in four episodes. One is a tease and a big role in three. He has an eye patch. Him running for mayor is a tease at the end of the series. Uh, there is no bullseye in the Echo series. So that was, uh, that was being misunderstood by some people. Um, My Time to Shine Hello had a tweet about bullseye and people were thinking that he was going to show up in the series. That is not true. Uh, Echo will be in Daredevil show as well from my time to shine. Hello. So I don't know. I can't get too excited about any of this until we kind of see what actual um, tone they take with it. And if it is TVMA, but if we're led to believe it's not, I'm nothing about the Daredevil show can get me excited at this point. Yeah, it's also not surprising that the Kingpin would show up for the majority of the episodes. I mean, that character was so closely tied to Echo oh, in yeah. her introduction. So it it would be almost make more like less sense if he wasn't going to show up at all. Like you, you almost need him at this point. Uh, this sounds just like the exact same thing that they did in Hawkeye, where they're going to tease fucking Daredevil showing up in this thing. And then he finally shows up, you know. So my time to shine. Hello says two episodes. So we'll probably get like the. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, here's a tease for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, My Time to Shine Hello was asked, how big a role does MODOK have in the series? To which she replied, very big. He's Kang's advisor and second main villain in the movie. Was told MODOK is the scene stealer of Quantumania. That has me excited. Oh, MODOK's so cool. Do we know who's playing MODOK? I don't know. I don't they know. Said the guy that played the the villain in the first one, uh, the first Ant Man movie. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, um, Darren Yellow Jacket. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What's the name like of the he's actor? He's been there the whole time in the quantum realm or something. Yeah. Kang finds him there. Maybe gives him like future technology. Maybe some crap like that. I want to see the look. God damn, that is going to be. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm looking forward to. Is is how are they going to do this in live action? It's gonna and look and wild. not have it look goofy. 
make it look as goofy as they fucking did in the comics, man. I'm here for it. Yeah, I want it to be goofy. I agree. I don't want him to fucking like make it all serious. We don't want a Christopher Nolan Modoc of all characters. Well, no, I yeah, don't want right. that. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't want it to look like it did in the, in the Hulu series. Love that series, though. I mean, think about um, how awesome they made Dinklage look as E-Tree. You know, you think it wouldn't work, and it did. I know this is a more bizarre-looking character than even having Dinklage playing, like, you know, almost like a giant, you know? So, yeah. They had MODOK in the Avengers game, the Ubisoft game that came out a few years ago, and they had a pretty cool, realistic look. So it definitely can be done to to kind of fit, I think. Yeah. I think that's yeah, a- like what if Darren Cross started doing like experiments on himself in the quantum realm and it made his body all misshapen? So, that's I mean, kind I, of what I they guess- already did with Arnim Zola in the Cap movies. Yeah. It is. I think it makes sense for Kang to like find him floating about. I was going to talk about like the, the Marvel VFX artist being kind of upset with the treatment over there. I'm going to skip that. Just go ahead and like, it's from the gamer.com and it's an article titled VFX artists are refusing to work with Marvel due to stress and unrealistic deadlines. If you want to check that out, you can go to gamer.com and check out that article. I, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about it this week, guys. I don't know. It's a big can of worms. I agree. It's yeah. a great article that yeah. pretty much sums sums it all up. But I do want to talk about. I got Star Wars news, and I do want to talk. This is. I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this is incredible. Let me play the. Uh, Joe, we have to play. You know. <laughs> it's all good. We have to play the other one. Play. The, <laughs> that was also a very good bumper. Play the Jake friendly one. <laughs> What the Misa saying? You were supposed to be here with me listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. That's impossible. Let me hey, let me play can I play an outtake from the episode that we did, Joe, where I played the other one? Yeah. Hold on. Let me play this. The holiday weeks are always rough on him. Yeah. Those holiday weekends especially. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you get any Star Wars news for this episode? Uh, Just the Taika stuff. Why? What's up? Kylo was a young boy. (laughs) (laughs) There's no (laughs) Jake. We will. Yes, there's no Jake. Thank you, Joe. Fuck yes. (laughs) No idea how excited I am. I've been waiting for this, Brian. (laughs) It's like the stars had to align. (laughs) Do I have it? Let me make sure that I've got it saved. <laughs> there we go. You guys heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you play the bumper on a real episode? Bet your fucking ass I did, and people fucking loved it, Jake. Oh, I would have kept that behind the paywall. Oh, How much no. money did we lose? You paying that oh, playing no. on the episode? <laughs> oh, me and Joe made a promise that we'd, we'd eventually pay, pay. If people aren't going to get Patreon uh, now, they're not ever going to get it. So, <laughs> like, fuck it. <laughs> anyway, this is Star- this Star Wars news I found is super interesting. So, you know, the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series we watched on Disney Plus, um, like I've said on previous episode, it was originally going to be a movie. 
And from what I've read about the, the movie, it sounds way better, in my opinion, than what we actually got. Um, especially what they had planned for Riva. And I don't know if you guys saw this article from Slash Film. Um, they had a couple articles. They had one about talking about the movie, and then they had another one about some of the changes that were made uh, from the movie to the series. Um, and uh, this guy, yeah, this comes from Slash Film. With the first and probably only season of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the bag, writer Stuart Beatty is out here spilling all the details about what he originally had planned for the Jedi. If you're confused why Stuart Beatty is out here risking getting shot by Disney and Lucasfilm's hired snipers for spilling his guts about Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's because he didn't actually write for the series and only received story credit thanks to his work on the original movie script. Among the biggest differences between the two iterations of the project were Reva, a ruthless inquisitor who relentlessly hunts Obi-Wan for much of season one, hoping to ascend the ranks of her organization. In time, however, it comes out that Reva, spoilers, guys, for Obi-Wan Kenobi here, uh, it comes out that Reva was once a youngling who survived Anakin Skywalker's attack on the Jedi Temple and had been secretly plotting to take a revenge against him, having deduced that Darth Vader is secretly Anakin. Speaking to the direct, BD explained how Reva's motivations in his film script differed from the series. Quote, yeah, except the only little difference in mine from the TV show version was she didn't know Darth Vader was Anakin. Because I was like, how'd she know that? All she saw was Anakin as Anakin because he hadn't changed in the suit yet, right? So Anakin killed her friends, put the scar on her, almost killed her, left her for dead, basically. So in her mind, the Jedi Council were the biggest villains in the galaxy. She believed the lies that they were plotting a coup to overtake and get power and all that. But they were stopped by the clones. So she believed that's why she's hunting Jedi. Because she believed the Jedi are the worst, basically. I fucking love that. So, here's the thing. That's what she sees as a youngling. She sees Anakin walk in as a fucking Jedi and start killing younglings. And so she thinks that the Jedi are the ones that are going around fucking... They, they, they're, she believes that Anakin was the one that fucking killed all the younglings and shit. She never knew that it was this Darth Vader. So she, so when she's working for Darth Vader, she thinks she's working for the right side and hunting down the Jedi who killed her, who killed her friends that she grew up with. That's way more compelling too, because you could have later in the movie have her discover yes. Darth Vader as Anakin. Then that's this is way what he's, more compelling of a turn. This is what he says. Continuing, Stuart Beatty explained that Obi Wan would have revealed Darth Vader's true identity to Reva in his film script, leading her to switch sides. Because I figured, how would she know that this thing in a mechanical suit that everyone calls Darth Vader is the guy who killed her or tried to kill her? So it was Obi-Wan kind of letting her in on that secret and that revelation that makes her kind of go, oh, my God, I've been wrong this whole time. And so she goes and basically saved Kenobi by sacrificing herself, telling Vader, I killed Kenobi. And then Vader killed her, knowing that Vader would kill her. So that kind of completed her arc. So she dies in his version. And uh, I lo I'm sorry. Kind of love it. Kind of love it yeah. way more than what we fucking got in 
in that series. Go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. Uh, the idea of seeing her actually find out who Darth Vader is it is very compelling. I, I do agree with that. That would be really cool. I think Rather than just an unexplained knowledge that we get from the show. The version that he puts forth is is better on, on every level. <laughs> it, it it makes her a more compelling character. It fills in a big plot hole because uh, that was something in uh, the the sec. I think that happened in the second episode where it's like, how did she know that? That is something that it would have been kept tightly under wraps. That you know, I mean, really, only Palpatine would have known that. Yeah, so it, it's kind of wild. I mean, there there were some you know high up Imperial officers that would have known it as well, maybe, but. Certainly not. Uh, you know how rumors go around in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was going to find out eventually. But yeah, the, the, I, I really like this. They, they should have done that yeah. in, in the series because it, it does. It makes it for a more compelling character. It makes the, the, the heel turn that happens later in the series make a lot more sense. And also having that character die in the confrontation with Vader makes a lot more sense as well, because the whole thing they did with her then having another heel turn, deciding to go after Luke was just ridiculous. Yeah. Joe, you're now you're now you're actually criticizing the show instead of sucking its dick. Like you did in the original. What? Hey, Joe, right? Well, I still liked what I, (laughs) I'll admit the things about it that suck. Um, I've got the Patterson cut downloaded um i haven't watched it yet uh-huh. but i'm looking forward to watching that i've heard i've heard that he made a really interesting cut of the the six episode season oh man i i'm kind of disgusted by the obi-wan fan cuts i refuse to watch any of it i i hate that shit i hated it when they did it with the prequels it's like oh, fuck all God. that shit i don't want to see this non-canonical bullshit where you cut out the things that made your fucking tummy hurt I fuck <laughs> all that nonsense oh man i th- just jake's reaction to that makes me want to watch it that much more joe can you send me the link on that if it's available <laughs> you got it <laughs> thank you i will i i can't wait to watch it multiple times <laughs> you, you guys enjoy i i will never lay my eye upon a second <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'd like to see that cut the that somebody had made for the the pre- this being said i like the prequels but i would watch that cut that oh the, it was um, a topher grace cut that that's it i was stumbling yeah. on the name i want to see that topher grace cut oh me too man me too cut out all the fucking bullshit cut out the jar jar give it to me can't wait <laughs> God. love it love it Love yeah, fuck it. the Topher Grace. Give guy. me, give me a one, give me one without all the bullshit Senate meetings and the awkward, fucking creepy. And yeah, you know who he, he was like. He was like the guy from you, Anakin. Oh yeah, <laughs> very episode much. Two. Yeah, <laughs> cut out all that. Cut out all that garbage. Get, episode two, more like episode you. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I'll watch those cuts absolutely, and I'll I'll probably have a grin on my face the entire time, knowing that it makes Jake's stomach turn. <laughs> it doesn't make my stomach turn because I, I will not watch it. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, the fact that I'm watching it would make. Oh, it. I don't care. You can watch it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. I will watch take away. no. P- watch away. I will take no pleasure in it then, because I know it will not bother you. So <laughs> I'm just saying for me personally, yeah. it's ugh. 
what a bunch of fucking losers when they make shit like that. If I knew that it would bother you that I'd watch it, that would that would that would kind of heighten my experience of watching it, Jake. So you kind of took that from me. But uh... yeah, if you want to bother me, then keep trying to convince me to watch it. That's okay. how you really get understand. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't reveal this, but guys, and PCL has now officially ended with episode four thirty two. Like Jake's out. <laughs> Brian won't fucking leave me alone. <laughs> remember that but it's fa- so much better they cut out all the leia stuff oh you'll love it remember that facebook chat that kept popping up in the episode now it's just brian trying to convince fucking jake to watch that fucking cut <laughs> and don't worry billy's 100 percent aware of it because you know he's yeah, Joe, please just don't send that link until we're done recording. <laughs> don't blame Joe. Don't blame Joe and don't blame, blame Jake. That is all fucking you. That is all fucking you, I Billy. don't blame anybody. That is all fucking you. You fucking don't want to take any fucking responsibility for your bullshit actions. That's a problem with your fucking generation. We Gen X, we take we we fucking we own up to our bullshit, but not you. There won't there will not be a group chat edit of this episode either. You will not get that cut in the future, people. <laughs> I wouldn't read that either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm half tempted to leave the chat I'm in now. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, people have been wondering, people have been wondering where Darth Brian was. I think he came out a little bit this episode. <laughs> yeah, we got some spicy Darth Brian this episode for sure. It's it's just it's the, it's the, the how adamant Billy is for not admitting that he shouldn't be fucking around on his phone in a chat while we're recording. I had to watch oh, Brian, you got that wrong. He was on Chrome. Well, it, was, it, was, it was my browser. There you go, Jake. <laughs> it was my my, my browser. That's my browser. Yeah, I got to hear that the entire fucking episode. (laughs) My browser. You didn't have to respond. I don't care what the fuck pops up on your browser. You didn't have to fucking respond, Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect moment for me to type some bullshit. You were like Christian Bale there all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, fuck it. Oh. Yeah. Fucking Billy. Excuse my browser. That's not the problem, Billy. I don't give a fuck if you were fucking typing it on a C and say, you son of a fuck. I don't give a sketch sketch, a Game Boy. I don't give a fuck, Billy. It's the fact that you fucking responded during an episode. It was on a browser. (laughs) I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. (laughs) You were here. You were you were here. Ninety nine percent of the time. One percent of the time you were fucking around in your browser, Billy. I'm glad that we're back to that we've cleared up that it was the browser. Now. Oh, I know. <laughs> the fucking browser. Gee, like my ex-wife with the details. Jesus Christ. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yeah, it wasn't a it was a fucking Dunkin' Donuts and not a Starbucks. Can we get past that? 
Jesus. Nope, nope. Your whole argument is My whole argument's invalid because I fucking <laughs> thought it was a fucking Dunkin' Donuts and it was a Starbucks. <laughs> I like both. I hate people that argue like that. Like, oh, I oh do too. I do too. Passionate. I'm I sorry do I too. fucked up one of the facts. Yeah, yeah. Sorry I fucked up one of the fucking facts. We got Billy. He's one of them. He's on this goddamn episode, Jake, and it's fucking driving me up a goddamn wall. Settle down. Settle down. We can end this any second. (laughs) 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 We've done it. We don't even need to break. We can just end the episode. Yeah, Jake. Until – oh, no. I got to tell people where they can find Billy fucking around on his browser. Billy, (laughs) when you're not on PCL and you're on your browser, where can people find you? You can find us on YouTube. We're the Reality Guys, so we cover everything and anything reality TV. So things right now we're covering are include The Bachelor, The Challenge USA, F Boy Islands back, uh, The Real Housewives. We're actually going to be covering the audition week to week. So we kind of have a big variety. Whether you're into kind of the more romance shows or the competition shows, we have you covered. So uh, the Reality Guys on YouTube. All right, check them out, the Reality Guys. Billy, I hope you know that I was. I'm partially fucking with you. There, there, there is a little bit of truth bleeding in. Of course, there is. Yeah, but <laughs> it's all good. I had blessed. It's all right. Good, Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe, why are you friends with me? Well, you're one of the nicest guys, and then you got. I am just like I'm like an angry Chihuahua. <laughs> also one of the funniest people i know and and i like to laugh no one's laughing no one's laughing with me this episode joe they're all laughing at me sir <laughs> there's some people that are listening they're just disgusted i can't believe the behavior i cannot believe the behavior <laughs> this, man. That, this is a um i could i was listening to this episode for the san diego comic-con uh rubers coverage and uh i I, I had to listen to this man completely berate another man. I came for the San Diego Comic-Con rumors and had to listen to to a grown man berate another. And it, it didn't go on for just, you know, a few minutes. Like, this went on, and it was ongoing. And uh, one star, one star. Never listen again. Never listen again. And, uh, Brian, it was a browser, okay? <laughs> That's what I wish there was episode titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this would definitely be it was a browser. <laughs> oh. Joe, wow. <laughs> God, I need oh, I God. need I need a billy break. I can't do this again. <laughs> I need a goddamn billy break. Jesus fucking Jesus. Sound like my wife. Oh my billy. God. <laughs> oh my God. Calgon, take me away. Oh my god. Jesus. Joe, what's going on, man? Yeah, you can also find me on Startcast, uh, my podcast I do. It's a long conversation episodes. Um, usually every Saturday I got new episodes dropping. You can also find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. All right, guys. Uh, Jake, and until next yes. week. We're putting a lid on it. All right. See ya. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. 
You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, push over pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.